We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah, yes. What's good, everybody? And today, we have a jam-packed episode of Veterans Minimum. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, my. You can find everything on there. We got three different guests on this one. Loaded episode. We open up with my guy, Combo. Andrew12Combo on Instagram. He is a former pro basketball player, played 10 years overseas. He hosts the Combos Court podcast. We talk about the NBA. Everyone's played roughly 25 to 30 games-ish in the NBA regular season, and we chop it up, man. We It's the first time that us two connect. We've interacted many times on social media. We have a mutual friend. Nick Dunbar, Teddy, who comes on the show often to talk hoops. And we finally chopped it up, met in person, and we recorded a banger of an episode, talked a little bit about him playing overseas. We talked about Steph Curry and his impact on the game, how international basketball impacted the current state of the NBA. Then we talk about some of the big takeaways throughout the regular season so far. Should we be concerned about the Lakers? uh shouts to cleveland shouts to memphis for some nice surprises and then shortly after that allen comes on the show we break down week 15 of the nfl pats colts monster game and then we talk about some contenders in the nfc like we rank the top five contenders in the nfc we ask what quarterbacks in the afc do we trust in a big spot and we come to the same conclusion pretty much and then the tail end of the episode is a show I did with Kenny King Jr. from the Real Talk podcast of Blue Wire Family. We were out together in Vegas. I put this up on the Patreon last week. So members of the Patreon, you guys have already heard this episode. Get it early in advance. Next week's episode is a very special episode. We have two doctors. Yes, Dr. Carlene McMillan and Owen them too i've had carlene on in the past and we talk about mental health suicide prevention mental health in athletics and in sports really nice conversation that's going to be up at the time that you guys hear this podcast that'll go up for all of you next week if you want to show love to the show and support the show it's patreon.com slash veterans minimum and yeah i really enjoyed this combination of people that I had on the show. It was really dope. We got some basketball, got some life, got some football, got some social media takes. It was cool. So sit back, relax, congrats. 
enjoy this episode and hit us up let us start start to tell us how you guys feel about the episodes what takes do you agree with disagree with i want to start getting the interaction on social media a little more popping so holla at us you know where to find us we'll catch you guys next time good bro how are you man yo veteran minimum veterans minimum a great name how'd you come up with that i can't take credit for it Uh, i'll tell you that much when uh when we originated the group for the podcast that i was telling you about used to be a bunch of other guys on there too and you know coming up with a name that's clever catchy sort of resonates it's always tough bro it's always tough and uh we had like situational lefties were some names uh, like in baseball, a I'm guy a comes in. Okay, yeah, like so that. a guy comes in in relief in the seventh inning. It's like, all right, yo, we're gonna throw out a lefty. We're like, ah, but then that kind of limits us to being like a baseball podcast. We didn't want to do that. We had a couple of other dumb ones. So I don't know who came up with Veterans Minimum. It's a dope name though. But yeah, it, it fits. it's not it's not what I'm aiming to get. Like I don't want the Veterans Minimum. Yeah, but, so but it's, it's a great name. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, my guy, my guy, Will Blackman. He was a DB in the NFL. Played about 12 years. I was with him in Vegas because I do a podcast with him, Upsets and Underdogs. That episode's gonna drop next week. Uh, cheap plug. If you're on the Patreon, you can hear that now. But when I recorded with him in Vegas, he's looking at the logo. He's like, "Man, I, I can't fuck with your your show name, bro." I was like, "Damn, how come?" He's like, "That's what I made my last season in the league," and then he just started laughing. <laughs> But it was a play on words in like the sports yeah. world. You know yeah, I mean? it had like, him thinking. It yeah, had him thinking. Yeah, 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 it's like yo, the veterans minimum, and you always see it pop up. Like, oh, this guy's chasing a ring with the Warriors. He signed the vets men. So yeah, yeah, that's dope. That's dope. But yo, I'm I'm happy we're finally doing this, man. We've been talking about this for a while. Yeah, most definitely, man. Thank you so much for having me on your platform. You got a great setup here, and I'm just so happy to be here, man. We have a mutual friend, uh, Nick Nick Dunbar. We call him <laughs> Teddy. That loose cannon sometimes, as we were saying. Shout out yeah. to him. He's been on the show. He comes on the show often. Like, every other week, we talk NBA, and he's very passionate. But, uh, yeah, man, it's good to have you in here. I'm yeah, man, anytime, man. You know, whenever you need me here, I'll pull up, you know, talk basketball, talk sports. And, yeah, just thanks again for having me on your platform. Dude, What uh, you've been doing a podcast for a while, too, man. Tell me about it. Because one thing that jumped out to me is you have over 300 episodes. Like, don't, don't take that shit for granted. That's impressive. Yeah. That jumped out to me because there's a lot of people that start a podcast and within three, four months are like, ah, I'm done. Yeah. I don't know if I have uh, exact competition, but I always like to feel that there is. And my thing is always like, let me out-consist the competition, whoever that may be. So I just wanted to make sure when I started this thing, I'm going to stay consistent and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Like anything in life, like my basketball career, the career, my career professionally was 10 years overseas. And then, you know, I played in Israel. I played in Denmark. I played in the minor leagues like the ABA here to start that all off. But towards the end of it, I wanted to do either color or play by play. But that's not always something you could jump right into. So I'm like, let me start my own show. Let me start my own podcast. I was listening to podcasts. Um, it was getting big, but it's not nowhere near as big as it is now. Right. Um, that was around like 2017. So I just started the podcast, Combo's Court. Uh, my name's Combo. My nickname since the third grade. That wasn't a podcast nickname. That's a nickname I've always had. Where'd that come from? 
And that's a long story that has nothing to do with basketball. Man. <laughs> it was just me being a kid, like making. You know, in New York City, you're not supposed to make up my. You're you're not supposed to give yourself a nickname, but I definitely gave myself that nickname, just bugging out with my friends. But um, yeah, so started the podcast. Um, a lot of great guests. Stay consistent. It's been building, and I'm just happy to have it. And I'm always happy just to have great conversations and to bring great conversations out of people but i really like i got to thank everybody who listens to me and also all the great guests that have been on the show former nba players former current and former espn and fox sports guys so yeah man it's just been a great journey and i'm looking forward to continuing it and actually uh so i signed up with the believe network with i'm co-hosting an orlando magic podcast with my guy max van auken so everybody could check that out as well along with staying consistent with combos court so yeah everything's good man that's good. It seems like you got a busy, busy yeah. slate, right? Yeah, things have been busy. I've been on YouTube with Coach Nick of B-Ball Breakdown. Uh, most Wednesdays have been doing that. Twitter spaces with Pee Wee to plug from uh, House of Highlights and Through the Wild. I've been, I've been working, man. I've been working, yeah. No, nah, that's dope, man. And, and I wholeheartedly agree with you on the consistency thing because yeah. I'm telling you, I get invited to do a lot of podcasts, especially now, like more eyes on the product, more eyes on me. And to come on and talk about sports betting or football or UFC, whatever it might be. And one thing that I always look at is like the number of shows that person has done. Yeah, definitely. Just because it, it, I'm on the same page as you. You understand that work that goes into it. They understand the work that goes into it. There is a mutual understanding between the two parties that, yo, there's actually, you need to come prepared. You need to come on time. You need to have a certain level of expertise and also just you need to be able to respect the person who's coming on your show too right like you're venturing out you're cutting out if you're so busy you're giving me an hour like yo i'm super grateful for that yeah and it's come to a point where hopefully i could help them from being on my podcast like they could talk to the people that listen to my platform and it could even help them even more than me i would love that you know i would love putting people on and I think that's just the great thing about it. And you're right, man. Consistency is everything. You know, it doesn't matter if it's podcast, sports, business. You got to be consistent if you want to be great. Yeah. It's like the thing when people start working out for the first time. They're like, yeah. oh, shit, I don't got a six pack yet. It's like, yeah, that shit ain't going to happen overnight, bro. Nah, like, not going to happen overnight. That's for sure, man. That's for sure. It's the same as working out. It's almost like what you put into it, it's what you'll get out of it. And uh, yeah, man, podcasting a great medium, but you definitely have to stay consistent if you want to be great at, I mean, there's a lot of stats. Like a lot of podcasts don't get past like I think seven or twelve episodes. Like a large majority of them don't yeah. get that far. So, um, yeah. a number a number that I always talk about is, I think there's well, this was around last summer. So a lot has happened in a, in a year. So this is summer of 2020 because that's when a lot of podcasts started popping off again not so much popping off like big numbers but there's just more podcasts coming out because of the pandemic people have more time and i think apple Podcasts had about 1.8 million podcasts on apple right that comes out to about four hundred thousand of them didn't go past 20 episodes yeah and look, there are certain scenarios where a podcast is a little series, right? So it's like a four or five episode series where That's true. if you have a bigger, bigger platform already, you could just give this to your right. audience. Like it's a one-off like, yo, you know, we're going to cover maybe the last dance. 
yeah, is a podcast but, series. But I'm willing to bet the majority of those are, are, are not, not that. Those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it goes back to what you're saying, man, about being consistent. What would uh, I'm fascinated by people that were pro athletes, dude. I feel like that's, you know, you're in the 1%. What was it like playing bowl overseas? Um, it was great. You know, you learn a lot more. You learn about yourself and just everything off the court more than even on the court. And it gives you perspective from where you're from because you could compare it to something. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn about different languages, different cultures. Like, I lived in Israel for many years. Now I eat falafel to this day. Like, it changed everything about me. So, it's uh, it was a great experience and I just learned so much off the court and... You know, it, it made me better for what I do today because it definitely gave me a different perspective. Hmm. Where'd you like playing the most? I'd say I really loved playing in Denmark. I was in a great playing situation, uh, great people. Denmark is an interesting country. There's like almost zero crime if you look at the stats. Like it's just almost like a perfect place in some ways. But in other ways, it gets dark really early and it's mm. really cold. But Denmark was great. The food was good. The people were really nice. Everybody speaks great English. It's very modern. Copenhagen's a great city. I didn't live there, but I got to visit, and Denmark Bro, was, was a phenomenal place. I was supposed to go to Copenhagen in 2020 for the Euro Cup in soccer. Oh, okay. So I'm a big soccer fan, and for you to get tickets to like a Euro Cup, World Cup, it's similar to going to get sneakers. Are you a fan of like sneakers and shit? Of the course. sneaker app. I'm sure you've of massive course. L's on the sneaker app. Uh, yeah, just I, I, I love sneakers. But man. it's a, it's the same concept. You win the right to buy the ticket the same way you win the right to buy the sneaker so i won tickets for copenhagen um paris rome and dublin and then covid hits yeah it was over and it was over but that was one of the cities that i was gonna that i won tickets for to be able to go to i didn't know what game i was gonna see because the cool thing is they they say game one match day six in copenhagen yeah. So you win the ticket. You don't know who's playing. You might get Germany, Holland. You might get like Poland. No disrespect to Poland and like Scotland. You know what I mean? So like the, your level of expectation changes over time. Copenhagen's a great place. Everybody's riding their bike. I think there's more people that ride their bike that actually drive. Like you just see like so many people riding their bike everywhere they go. Um, I'm not a smoker myself, but there's like this crazy area called Kristiania. Mm-hmm. And it's just like anything goes and they sell weed everywhere. And it's just, it's like, um, what's the country where weed is huge? I can't believe I'm drawing uh, the blank. Uh, well, the Netherlands. Yeah, Amsterdam, exactly. Yeah. Amsterdam, exactly. It's like their little Amsterdam. It was a crazy place. And yeah, man, Copenhagen is such an interesting place and a, a great place to visit for sure. I'm pulling up your uh, Instagram right now because you put out a, whether it was a tweet or a post. It seemed, yeah, it was a tweet. Um, and it's something that I've been saying for the longest time has to do with Steph Curry. He just broke the record all time. Three point shooter at the garden, of course, because everyone lights it up at MSG yet. No one comes to play for the Knicks is always the thing I like to say. Your tweet was nothing has changed the way NBA basketball is played today more than the international style of play analytics. And of course, Steph Curry elaborate on that. Yeah. Cause I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, so I mean, the international style of play, mostly from Europe, has a huge influence on the way basketball is being played today. Like, you know, 
back in the 90s, we saw the NBA was uh, more power forwards, big centers that would post up. Now Needed all- to have a big guy or else it was quiet for you. Yeah, and they're still big guys, but they're just, they more often stretch it now or they're rim runners, you know, and the stretch bigs was way more prevalent in Europe. You right. know, they just, their bigs had to stretch it. And I noticed even when I played in Europe, maybe the best shooters weren't better than the best shooters here, but the worst shooters were definitely better than the worst shooters here. Like on average, everybody could stretch it. Like you had five guys with gravity a lot of the time. So that's how the game is played today. Analytics, everybody knows three's worth more than two. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, what happened with that? Every team is shooting more threes. My mom, who doesn't even watch basketball much, could watch a game and say, why are they shooting? Nobody's going inside. Why are they shooting so much from the outside? And, you know, analytics is more than three-pointers. It's actually the highest value shots are layups, dunks, free throws, and threes. And mid-range is the least valuable shot, according to analytics. But that has obviously had a huge impact on mm. the game. We saw we saw the movie Moneyball and the impact it had on baseball. baseball yep. But, yeah, so, like, in the 90s and even earlier than that, teams didn't have analytic departments. Now they have, like, teams of guys for each franchise that just focus on the analytics of the game. And it's changed the game tremendously. And obviously Steph Curry, man, like nobody in today's game has changed the game more than him. Not Kevin Durant, not LeBron James, Steph Curry, all the kids. If you watch them play now, they play like Steph. They just Mm -hmm. want to shoot from 40, you know, and jack up a lot of threes because they believe they could do it. Like they know there's probably a chance that they might not be 6'8", 260, run a 4-4-40, 40-inch vertical. But there's a chance in their head they could be Steph Curry. And maybe they can if they keep practicing their jump shot. So that's just, you know, what it is. But uh, I started clapping because that, I think, is the biggest appeal to him. Yeah. He's considered small, but he's 6'3", right? Right, right. right. It was funny. A picture surfaced of him and uh, Miles Garrett. He's a defensive end for the Cleveland Browns. Like, if you see this dude, just like a Greek god, chiseled, Bra, like one of the freak athletes in the NFL, he's like eye level with Steph. And it's like, damn, if we consider him to be a freak athlete, but he's like the same size as Steph. Yeah, muscle wise, he's not, but like from a height standpoint. But with Curry, it's so true, bro, because in theory, I'm 5'10, right? So in theory, I can't dunk. There are rare occasions, not rare occasions, but there's are there are rare people that are you know they just got bungees, right? Of course. But it's more likely that I can just become a tremendous shooter and right. just hit from forty right. feet. Right. So it's easier for a kid that's six foot six one to just become a great shooter as opposed to athletic ability. I, I would say that some of that is mindset. I think if you dedicated your life to dunking you'd probably be able to do it at a pretty good level, even at 5'10". Mm. So I think just that you believe that you might be able to do this, it actually gives you a better chance that you'll be able to do it too. That's yeah, part of it as well. But don't you think also just like genetics and just like, yo, people just have it. Like I'm sure you know dudes that are great athletes and they never did a push-up or they never did yeah. a box jump. Yeah, everybody's athletic baseline is different, but I think it's not as... I think there's more room for growth than people think when it comes to athleticism. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do. Interesting. Yeah. But do you feel like it's, I don't want to say easier because so many people have taken jump shots in like the history of life. And this guy is clearly the best one. He is. To, to he ever is. shoot. He is. And how much of that do you think is like growing up with a, a pops who played in the league too? Helps. It helps you learn how to be a professional. It's all about mindset. Think about some of the dudes right now that are pro athletes, that their fathers were pro athletes too. Pat Mahomes, 
Donovan Mitchell, yeah. Steph Curry. You're talking about some guys that yeah. are in that system. And even not the top-level guys. A lot of their parents played or they have family members who are in the NFL or the NBA. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you think Curry, if he doesn't go to Golden State, turns out to be the player that he is now? I think he definitely benefited from their system. You know, um, Not only the system, the big knock on him... When once he entered the league, was he started getting hurt? He had the ankle issues. One of the reasons why Golden State was so successful is because they lucked out on that contract they gave him. Yeah, remember the year he won MVP? I bet him to win MVP that year. He was thirty to one odds, and he was, I believe, the twelfth most expensive guy on the team. It's and crazy. the reason why was because he had those ankle issues. Like you look, he comes into the league, plays seventy-seven games and seventy-four games, then he plays twenty-three games because of the ankle issues. And then it's not until like 2012 where he jumps to like 20 points a game. And then the explosion really happens 2015. But you remember they played the Clippers in that series right before they won the title right. where they took them to seven. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, what's happening in San Fran right now? Like, we got to keep our eye on that shit. Like, yeah, we know these guys are good shooters, but where's this dude Draymond Green come from now? And then they get Barboza and then they bring in Iggy. But I yeah. think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was his ankles were a curse that turned into probably the biggest blessing in the NBA the last decade. Yeah, it was a perfect storm for them, and they just gave the NBA a new look from shooting all those threes. You know, I mean, you could do what Golden State does now, but it wouldn't have the same effect because everybody's used to it and everybody's doing the same thing. And you also don't have the Splash Brothers. Yeah, exactly. So it's exactly. easy for me to say, "Yo, today we're gonna go out and shoot fifty threes." Yeah, well, I don't got the best backcourt of all time from a shooting yeah. standpoint. Yeah, and Clay and Draymond really complimented Steph because they're such great defenders. Clay is a very good to great defender, and Draymond's an all-time defender. So all of that went into consideration. And then they had all these great role players as well, as you said. Yeah. Nah, it's true, man. The system, the the timing of it, too. Yeah. Like, yo, how many guys do you think play in the league right now on teams that they're just in the wrong system? 100%. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, like, the most improved player award should be called the better situation award. Like I like it's that. The, it, I mean, probably the guy got a little bit better, but he probably, there's a good chance he got in a better situation too. You know, it's probably a combination of both. Yeah, maybe a new place, a new coach, 100%. two new guys on the roster to change things, more opportunity. Yeah, you, you know, know, somebody unfortunately gets injured, he gets to play. It's yeah, you get more playing time yeah, now. Yeah, no, nah, that's true, man. You know, one thing that always pops up, and it was so ironic that Steph did it at the Garden is, oh, he could have been a Nick. He wanted to be a Nick the whole nine. And <laughs> it's like the Knicks think everybody wants to be a Nick, but there was some truth to it when it comes to Steph. There was, yeah, but also, bro, like you live in New York, you know how the media is. You think if they draft a guy like Steph Curry and he's hurt, and then he's back, like he's able to play, but they're not rushing him. Like Golden State didn't really rush them. Yeah. Whereas in New York, they'd be like, yo, why why haven't we seen Steph? What's going on with Steph? What the fuck? We got to get him out Knicks there. Knicks fans are funny, man. Oh, it, they, you know what it is? They're the best. It's the best fan base. I'm a Knicks fan. They're very uh, they're very emotional. Very emotional. Very delusional, too. Yeah, Very del delusional. Yeah, they're delusional. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Like, I remember last year when... And shouts to all the Knicks fans that listen to Combo's Court, but you guys are funny, man. <laughs> yeah, shouts to the Knicks fans that listen to this, too. <laughs> shouts to the Knicks fans everywhere. It was definitely. But, but, yo, it's just... You don't think that... It's it's very delusional, like, in a betting perspective, too. Like, me and my buddies, we bet the Hawks last year in the playoffs. Because we were just like, yo, they got 10 guys that could get a bucket. The Knicks have two they, and a half. They got a depth. They, they got depth. depth there. But with the Knicks and, and the Curry thing, I don't think Steph Curry is the Steph Curry is now if he's on any other team. 
And especially once Kerr comes into the mix, we saw how he handled. He was a part of the Phoenix teams in the front office with like Steve Nash and then the Amari Sotomayor stuff. So they know about players with injury history and concerns. Right. Nah, I, I agree with that. And I think it's a lot about situation. You know, it's it always is. But it's always what ifs. Like, what if Pippen never played with Jordan? Does Jordan get six rigs? And that was Pippen's sentiment. <laughs> yeah. What he was saying. And everybody was killing him for it. But he was saying it's a team sport. And he was right. But obviously, you know, MJ is, we're not going to get into this debate now, one or two of all time. Yeah. Yeah, I was told that you're a LeBron guy, right? No. Why I am too, though. So. No, it's not even like, it's not even LeBron guy. Because if you say anything positive LeBron or that seems to be positive LeBron you're a LeBron guy and if you say anything slight criticism of LeBron you're a LeBron hater like why can't you just say how you feel without being like emotionally yeah. attached well, you always you know? have to be on a side I don't I'm not on a side like I'm right. just I'm a, it's an unbiased view of what I see you yeah. know like so no. I would answer any LeBron question you had and one one answer you might hear and say oh this guy loves LeBron and the other answer was like why are you a LeBron hater but no, like you just give a nuanced opinion, you know, bro. Speaking of the Lakers, speaking of LeBron, well, more so speaking about LeBron, but to talk about the Lakers. Looking at them, like if we were to pull up the standings, they're 16 and 13, but the way they're covered. Feels like they're like seven and 20. Like it, it the the national true, media yeah, and the way people are talking about the Lakers is like, oh, my God, they're they're 14th in the West. But then you look, they're 16 and 13. They didn't have LeBron for a little bit. Westbrook, I felt when they got him, I was like, I love that signing. Regular season signing. For when LeBron's out, when AD's out, whether it's for rest or whether it's because they're injured. Westbrook is the type of guy that cares about the regular season. Like he'll go balls to the wall, 120 out of 100. But what do you feel about the Lakers? with Westbrook I think everybody knew it was a weird fit coming in like you didn't have to be a genius to see that and every even Lakers fans were saying it but you know AD doesn't come into the season in shape and he's not the only star that has done that this Bro, season how is how does that happen dude well everybody's a different person and some I, people take the game more seriously than others you know LeBron obviously takes his body probably more seriously than anybody in the NBA and AD is just not the same you know, he kind of works his way into shape, as does Luca. Does yeah, Luca's another guy. Harden does it the same way. And I know Harden had his injury, but there are some ways to stay in shape while you're injured. I mean, and be safe about it. Like, I just came off, I'm not comparing myself to Harden, but I just came off ACL injury, but I found ways to stay in shape through the rehab process. Like, you could do it. It could be done. Yeah. So, I mean, some of these guys don't come in shape, and it <clears> kind of adds up over time, but... AD was one of them. The Russell Westbrook fit isn't great. I think he needs to actually play like the four or the five, like play like a center, like a small ball, four or five type role, kind of like Bruce Brown does with the Nets. He'd be mm. like a super Bruce Brown. I've always said that. But uh, we're seeing some new interesting lineups for Frank Vogel, and he's on the hot seat as well, even though yeah. he's been a great defensive coach for the last two years, and now all of a sudden it's his fault, which is kind of interesting. Well, the only coach that ever coached LeBron that wasn't on the hot seat was Spolstra. Everyone else is well, yeah, always because like that's after, he, that's after culture, right? But after two, three seasons, it's like, all right, yo, this is not working. You got LeBron, it's not working. It's your fault. He got David Blatt out of there with Cleveland. He Very was out of, Israel yeah. was mad at LeBron when yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, you know David Blatt was a big coach for Maccabi in Israel, so 
I was I was out there and I was just hearing all the media attention around that. That was kind of interesting. But the Lakers will be okay. Um, LeBron is not worried about the first half of the season. He's ramping up. He's gearing up for him to be at his best and his team to be at the best towards the finals. So I think they'll be a lot better. I think he'll figure out there are some moves to be made. And I said this before, the biggest mistake the Lakers have made over the past couple of years was not keeping KCP, was not keeping Caruso. You need these type of defensive weapons, shall I say, to be good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Frank is a great defensive coach. So I don't know why they didn't try and keep those two guys. And KCP is a guy who could space the floor. Caruso had, played great with LeBron and had great energy. And they kind of let these guys go. And uh, they're older now. They're not as athletic. But I think they will figure it out. And they are going to make some roster changes as well. What kind of changes can you make, though? Well, like there are the internal discussions that they might trade Westbrook. Man. And, and what you would want is guys who could shoot the three and guys who could defend. What, what you would want is what you gave up to get him. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have gave that up at the first. They shouldn't have ever let KCP go. That yeah. was a huge mistake. And he's he's an underrated player. That guy's a good player. Like Lakers fans used to be really tough on him. But he's the kind of guy that every NBA team needs to win championships, you know? And then Caruso also. 100%. Great energy, great defender. One, probably one of the best defenders in the league. People thought he was one of the best defenders in the league because he was surrounded by other great players. And he still is with the Bulls, but we're seeing that. That talent he has on defense travels, and it right. travels to Chicago with him. Yeah, but defense is also like an effort thing, too. It's effort and IQ. Like, Draymond is not one of the greatest defenders in the world just because of effort. It's his IQ. It's his brain, you Knowing know. where to be. Yeah. 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 What would you say is the biggest surprise in the NBA for you this year? The Bulls have been a great surprise, you know. Yeah. I, I love though, the- though, So, like, this is this is a weird one because— it's easier to ask this question to like one of my co-hosts who I did like a preview show with. I like to look at these kind of questions. What were your expectations of the team coming in and then where they at now? Bulls for me, I was pretty high on them because of all the moves they made. Yeah. I However, I did want to see what it was going to look like because it seemed like one of those. I don't want to say superstar teams, but it did seem like a fantasy team, right? Like you get the Rosen, you got Vucevic, you got Levine. So you had a lot of big names on there. Like how was it going to mesh together? And you had guys that were pretty ball dominant, high usage rate. But then you see them, and right now I got the standings in front of me. They're 17 and 10. They've had some nice wins. They're a team that's a surprise. But were they a team that you had high expectations for coming? No, into the I, and I like a lot of those players. So I would say even a bigger surprise is Cleveland. That's the one that I had. Yeah, Cleveland. And they're showing right now that they have a great future with the trio of. Darius Garland especially, and I like Colin Sexton a lot, but I don't know if he's in their future. And then obviously Evan Mobley has played great. And Jared Allen, they're they're showing that two bigs could play together. They just got to build around that in the right way. Yeah. And then Rubio. I I love Rubio's game. I think he's been super underrated as a player his whole career. Underappreciated too. Underappreciated for sure. The only thing is, does he really fit their timeline? He's going to help them game win games right now but i don't know if he really helps yeah them long for the term. future but yeah. you need guys like that though you need I to have yeah. those grizzled vets to well, like yeah, show they, them they the teach, ropes and yeah 100 yeah not nah, for, for me cleveland for sure is a surprise man i think mobley is already like an elite defender too i think so too yeah no he's been great like it started out him just being really good for a rookie and now he's getting even better and becoming you know he dealt with a small injury but you're right like he's at least an above average defender at the very least already which is rare for a rookie like, rookies often, they can figure it out on offense a little bit, even though their efficiency might be low. 
But defense is usually the thing that really takes time. And we're seeing some rookies that could actually defend this year. Like I was really high on Scotty Barnes, and he's playing great defense. Cade is a really smart and good defender already, and Evan Mobley. So it's good to see that these young guys are coming in and playing defense. Because I never played defense, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the biggest expert on that. You, you appreciate the effort, right? Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> Respect that. I like the honesty. Dude, another team for me that's a surprise is Memphis, too. Yeah, yeah. And they're playing great without John Morant. Desmond Bain has stepped up. Well, the thing about Ja that always scares me is, dude is so fun to watch. He might be like, if I was to build a starting five of guys I like watching, like he's a league pass guy. Like you get league pass to watch Ja Morant. But man, he his body like... He's the most acrobatic player in the NBA. Bingo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But sometimes he'll be landing in the most awkward ways. I'm like, oh, fuck. I start grabbing knees and ligaments. I tore my ACL too one time. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. That, that recovery process sucks. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it's yeah. trash. But like, I'll grab like knees. I'm like, oh, that shit looked awkward. And but then that's when not the way hurt. he got injured. It wasn't on a landing. But nah, it wasn't. Yeah. But it's also like anytime a guy just grabs at his joints with no contact, those are the worst ones, right? Like yeah, yeah, the guy yeah, just yeah. drops or something like that. Or they come up hobbled. And we've seen like super athletic guards get hurt in the past. Like, um, Derek Rose, John Wall. Yep. So hopefully that doesn't happen for Ja because he's going to be a really special player for years to come. I think the cool thing about them is this young core seems to play really well together. Like Jackson, obviously Morant. Um, I've always liked Dylan Brooks going back to when he was on Oregon. Plays I remember I, I bet them to go to the Final Four and they did that year. And um, they're they're a team that I think is going to be around. Like I, 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 I could see them as a playoff team, like even a top six. Yeah, I mean, they were a play-in team last year. Right, they were a play-in team last and, year. And their role players got a lot better. Ja got better. Jaron Jackson Jr. is showing what he could do in this stretch while Ja isn't around. And he has some potential to be a really interesting three-point shooter for a big, the way he could shoot off the move. So, yeah, man, oh, definitely a playoff team for the future. And hopefully a championship contender within, like, the next five years if they keep trending in the right direction. Yeah, you know what sucks about teams like them? The Thunder, those well, like don't small, put the, don't put those two teams no, in the same no, category. No, 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 no. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I should have prefaced like what I'm trying to say is teams like that they don't really have free agent appeal historically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there's only three or four teams that do. Another fair point. Yeah. Yeah. So teams like that, you really got to hit on your draft picks. Oh yeah. But definitely. then on the flip side, you'll be like, yo, you're a Knicks fan, bro. Like, like you, you, you. Who's a Knicks fan? No, I'm saying me. Like, oh, I'm talking, oh. like someone listening to this will be like, bro, you're a Knicks fan. You guys don't get anyone to come here. That is true. That York. is true. But you know, there's a uh, the teams like that at small markets that always do best have like their homegrown stars like Donovan Mitchell, Utah, Devin Booker. You know, with the Suns and John Moran in Memphis. You mm -hmm. know, you need to draft well, and that really helps. Hopefully, Cade could be that guy in Detroit. Um, Scotty Barnes has been great in Toronto. I've been high on him for a long time. And, you know, Evan Mobley, another small market team. And, you know, the Cleveland wasn't small market only when LeBron was there, but now they're back to small market again. <laughs> right, right, right. That guy got the juice, though. That's why. Yeah. What would you say is a big takeaway from this season so far? It doesn't need to necessarily be like a team or a player, but just like overall. Is this something that stands out to you? From what Yeah, I think team play matters more than any other time. I just think that, even if you have top-end talent, obviously it means everything, but it doesn't mean as much as it used to be because I think there's just so much talent in the league 
that the bottom half of the league is kind of catching up to where the top half of the league would be. And I just think there's so much depth, so much talent. Like even these bad teams have really interesting and good players because that's just where basketball is today. So many people play basketball. The talent is just keep getting better and better. Like you could look at any, I cover the Orlando Magic. Like they have really talented and good NBA players, but they're young and their team is not good right now. So it's that's what it is. Like how much talent and depth is actually in the NBA. And even the... The bad teams are interesting to watch. Like the bad teams used to be horrible to watch like yeah. 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. It's true, man. I think one of the reasons that like uh League Pass is so popular and NBA is so popular is because oh shit, this team is in town. Let's go see them because they got X player. They got yeah. Y player. Right, right. You got all these interesting players. And you know, f- everything's fragmented now. So it's not like the TV networks only play one game and you could only watch that. You could watch every team and be interested. And these guys could kind of have their own little followings, even though they're not major stars, you know? Yeah. But also social media. Yeah. Everybody's has, their own brand. Yeah. You've, you've become your own brand. And I remember in 2015, um, they put out this. No, I think it was it was the last year Durant was in Oklahoma City. So 2016. Yep. They showed a graphic of like the top 10 NBA selling jerseys. And I think eight of the 10 were small market teams. Yeah. yeah, It's your Thunders. It's your Clevelands. Yeah. It's teams like that. Portland. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you don't need that anymore. That, that, I feel like it's one of the most false narrative take that you could have about like the big market thing. Well, a player, if you're good, you're good. You don't need to be there for sure. You're going to get your following. And especially if you're fun to watch, you're going to have a following no matter. The people will find you, especially with social media and league passes. You said you're going to be watched if you're great. And you're going to get paid, too. Yeah, you're like, going to get paid. Get yeah, yeah. Which leads me to my takeaway. Uh, this whole Zion Pelican situation. Yeah, is, it's unfortunate. It's weird, man. It's weird because I never want to be in a scenario like the Pelicans as an organization because you're going to have to pay Zion. But should you? I think you have to, yeah. Just I, I know you have to. You yeah. have to. Like, first of all, Zion's also going to take that deal too because he hasn't really made the money that everyone thought he could make. We got right? the Jordan deal. Fair, but yeah. we're talking about like from an NBA salary standpoint. Right, like, right, right. One of the reasons why they made that new rule where – the supermax for the guys that get drafted by said team is to keep the Zions, the Anthony Davises on the Pelicans. So I think he's going to ultimately sign that deal. But now you see it all the time, bro. A dude signs a five-year, $240 million max. Eight months later, it's like, yeah, I want out. I ain't playing for you. I want out. Yeah, yeah, that's how and, it is now. And that's the I mean, worst. Ben done it. Ben did it with like three years left on his contract. So bro, guys do that immediately after they sign. So you might as well sign the big deal and then you can get out if you want. You know, you yeah, don't even have to think about signing it. Right. Because there's no true, true commitment on your end. Well, from the player. Yeah, from the player. Yeah, from, yeah. Oh, from the player. I sign it every time. Yeah. But the player has so much leverage now where I would hate to be the Pelicans in this scenario. Yeah. You know, people were former NBA players were preaching this. I wasn't preaching this about him. You know, there's too much weight. They thought he was going to get injured. And. It's coming out true as of now, but hopefully he's really young. He can figure it out. He needs to take care of. He needs to take better care of his body. Eat the right foods. Uh, it is unfortunate, man, and and I don't think the the team is being totally transparent in what's going on. Like they said, he'll be ready by the first game, and I think they just did that to try and sell their tickets. 
So that whole situation is a mess, and that whole team is a mess. But just hopefully for him, it all starts with Zion and him taking care of himself, him taking care of his body, and him taking care of this injury. Because a lot of people were saying what's actually taking place right now, that there was just too much weight, and he would inevitably get injured. But hopefully that's not the case going forward. Also, the way he plays is such high impact on his body. Yeah, like yeah. If you're carrying that extra you saw weight. what he did to that shoe, shoe in Duke. Dude, that's <laughs> a, one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I love this NIL deal, too. It's like guys like Zion could at least make some money, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of guys making some money. That's fun, man. That made College basketball is great this year, by the way. The fans are back. The NIL, the NIL, heals, the NIL deals are here. And uh, it's just a great year for college basketball. That's really fun. I get concerned when people have issues in college, concerns also in college. And then they come into fruition in the league. Like the weight, the weight thing with Zion, the injury history. It's I I I wanted him on the Knicks, right? Like I was devastated. I went to the NBA draft lottery party and shit when they didn't get him and then they end up getting RJ. But man. You wouldn't be happy with him on the Knicks now? I mean, he's not available. Right, that report came out two weeks ago that he was back practicing, and then they're like, "Oh, we had a setback in rehab." Knicks like, fans would be hyped if Zion went to the Knicks, even now. Oh yeah, because there's sure. so much potential there, you know. Yeah, I mean, the upside is remarkable, right? Exactly. The upside is there, but exactly. like, how good is that if you're not available? Yeah, it's all up to him, and he hopefully he has the right people around him telling him the right things to do when it comes to diet, nutrition, recovery, and uh, it really it all depends on Zion at the end of the day. Do you like this NBA with the whole the teaming up thing? I mean, it's been like that for so long now. That's the It's thing. like the norm. Yeah. But do you like it, though? I mean... Or has it become so like second nature to us where it's like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen? I don't dislike it. I want to play with other good players. I don't want to play with guys that I don't want to play with. So I, I get it from, you know, from a competitive standpoint, I don't think I would be the one to move and go play with somebody else, I think that I want them to come to me as the competitor. Like, okay, now you're joining my team. But I understand it because it really is, as a top player, it really is tough when you're playing with players with no gravity and teams could double you and triple you and gear their whole defenses towards you. Basketball is more fun when you have gravity and other great players around you. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes the game more fun. It makes it easier for you too, right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's just crazy to think that like Durant and Curry play together. Yeah, yeah. Who's the, who do you think is a better player? Man, I think Durant is like an all time top ten guy. Like yeah. now, even like yeah, yeah, yeah. From, I think from a skill set. So he was the first. I would I can honestly say he's the first NBA player that I really like. Fell in love with his game. Like I'm a I'm a LeBron guy, but when he was like on the Thunder, and I remember the Slam magazine cover when I was in high school when he went to Texas. When he got there, like, I remember the, that cover. And dude was just different, bro. 6'11", seven-footer that actually had handles, like a point guard. Yeah. And then anytime he would shoot, like, he probably has the most impossible shot to block. 100%. Yeah, you can't affect his shot. And he's so efficient, bro. Like, the a couple of weeks ago, he had, like, a 47-point game. And he shot the ball, like, 17 times. Yeah, you could, have, you could play great defense against KD. You could have a great defensive scheme. But then he could just shoot right over if worst comes to worst. So. Like it don't matter, man. Yeah. I think I think Durant's a better player. I do too. I would agree. But it's just wild that them two played together. Yeah, and they played really well together. Nets were kind of a shoe in um, 
I mean, you had the whole Kyrie stuff with the COVID and the vaccine, all that chaos that goes on. But the Nets were like the favorite to come out the East. Yep. Golden State, I felt like the biggest wild card in the NBA this year. There was three of them, right? Like the three biggest things that I kept talking about on the preview show was Kyrie and the vaccine situation. Because like if Kyrie's on with the Nets, like they didn't even need all three of them to beat Milwaukee. They just needed two of those guys healthy. Yep. And they would have won the title, I felt like, last year. So that was storyline number one. Storyline number two was this Lakers roster. Mm-hmm. And then storyline number three was what are the Warriors going to look when if, if, if and when Clay comes back? Can he be anything he once was, get the Splash Brothers back? Now, you look at what the Warriors have done without Clay, how well they've been playing. You look at what Durant and the Nets have done without Kyrie. And like Harden really hasn't been Harden that we've been accustomed to. It's really been the Durant show. Reason why I bring up these two teams, right now they're the favorites to be in the finals. And these two guys, Durant and Curry, who were once teammates, are the favorites to win MVP. What side are you on? Well, first of all, I think the biggest storyline was Ben Simmons coming into the season. True. And then Kyrie Irving. True. Yeah. But those were big storylines as well. Well, the thing the thing about Ben Simmons is I'm so fed there's two teams I'm fed up with. <laughs> it's the Sixers year in, year out, like, yo, this is the year we like the roster, and then dud in the playoffs, and then the Jazz. Like the Jazz again this year. They're playing great. They're playing amazing. They are number one net rating. They're top five in defense. Um they have some big wins on their schedule too already. So they play well against them. But like I'm done with like being on the hype train with the Jazz and then come well, playoff time, they're out in the second round. Well, they never have the hype train. Nobody ever talks about the Jazz. But I would say with the Jazz. But they're a team that like they do well in the regular season and then something happens in the playoffs. Yeah, well, where... well, I think fans think that, and I'm not saying that they're right or wrong, that you know Rudy Gobert loses value, the way he plays defense in, in the, um, the offseason. The, the players don't play as well. Their team isn't built for the playoffs. But they think, from their perspective, that they were just injured and they would have won it all last year. So they're coming back into it. Let's just see what happens if everybody stays healthy. You know, Mike Conley was injured. Donovan wasn't himself for a lot of the playoffs. So from their perspective, I think they they think they have a great chance to win a championship if they stay healthy. Right. And they've also had like the same core for about four or five years now, too. Yeah, yeah. And look, it really comes down to one health and if two, if Donovan could take that leap into superstardom, like true superstardom, like him in the bubble superstardom. Yeah. Well, that's been the expectation ever since we saw that because you felt like that was, all right, this guy has finally arrived. We knew, well, he's been here, but now it's more of national media attention too. Like he's one of the top players in the league. But the Jazz and the Sixers, yeah. I know we kind of went off on a tangent because you mentioned Ben Simmons, which I agree with you. That was a big storyline. The Damian Lillard saga too. Like, is he going to be in Portland? Yeah. Like, those are, there were big storylines. But to me, it's more like, again, what were my expectations coming into the year? I'm just so fed up with the Sixers and the Jazz, too. I'm also someone that's lost some money on both of those teams, too. Uh, that's what it is. So because, I mean, I don't see any reason to be pissed off at the Jazz. I can see the Sixers are doing... Like, Daryl Morey is not... He's very stubborn. So, but that's going to rub people the wrong way. There's also been, like, a lot of times when you'll watch TV, you'll watch some NBA coverage, you'll read some NBA articles... And people would talk about, like, the top teams in the West. 
there'd always be that one guy that'd be like, oh, you know, the Jazz are playing really well. Don't forget about the Jazz. They could be a sleeper team. Like, I'm just tired about reading about that shit. I like, see what you're saying. There's I'm, a little bit of redundancy with that yeah, story. Yeah, you know, like, it's just, in, in the NFL, it's like the Ravens, right? Like, the Ravens and the Browns. It's like, oh, watch out for those two teams. It's like, man, they're just going to flop again, like, when it matters most. Like, I'm tired about hearing about that shit. But going back to Curry and Durant, what side of the fence are you on when it comes to who's been the MVP this year? Well, Steph, for the first half of the games that we played so far, has been playing great, and I think he was the MVP. And obviously his team was playing great as well. Preseason, I had Jokic winning it all for the reasons that I think Jamal wasn't going to be there, so I thought he'd have high usage. You saw there was all indications that he could get it, that he was in great shape. Mm -hmm. And then also he proved he could win it before, even though there's something called voters fatigue, which could actually hurt him. So I thought Jokic was going to win MVP, but it doesn't look like that'll be the case, even though he's playing the best basketball of his career. Just the Nuggets aren't very good right now, and he doesn't have a lot of help. But Aragorn is playing pretty good. They got some pieces that could help, but I still think he can win the MVP. Kevin Durant is also playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, As I've always said, I think he's a better player than Steph Curry. I do actually think he's more valuable than Steph Curry, and I think he should be the leader right now. Because Steph has tailed off slightly. But if I had to guess, I would say Steph Curry because of narrative. You know, uh, he just won that three-point record. And, you know, everything's going his way. So we'll see what develops. No, I agree with you on that. Narrative is... Is everything. Is everything, yeah. yeah. It becomes, and he's playing great, so... No, that's yeah. true, too. But the conversations always change, though, when it comes to narratives. Right. Like, every sport now, every award, it's become a narrative-driven award. Yeah. Um, it all started when aforementioned Durant left Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And then Westbrook goes crazy with all those triple doubles and became the narrative award. Oh, this guy left. Yeah. He's carrying the torch now. They were the sixth seed. But with Durant, the craziest thing is is again, he's really carrying that team. He might be the most valuable. Him and Jokic might be the most valuable guys to their teams. Yeah. Like without a doubt. And so. Luca too, but like well, Luca came out of shape like AD and Harden. Right, the thing that I've been preaching about those guys. He, I mean, he admitted he was out of shape. So kudos to him for admitting it. And I was high on Luca since he was playing in Euroleague. Like I told everybody, this was going to be the best guy in this draft. But I don't even want to talk about Luca anymore. The yeah. way he came into this season, man. Like I felt the same way about Luca because my dad loves uh, European. I'm Greek, uh, so like my dad watches a lot Euro of Euroleague. Euro League and the Champions League stuff. Yeah. And uh he was telling me about Luca years back. So I would watch like a random Tuesday at noon yeah, Eastern yeah, time. Yeah, like yeah. they'd have those games on. Cause like my dad, we we have a coffee truck in the city, so we'd be at home at like twelve o'clock. There's no other sports on. Can you get can you send some coffee to Combo's court? You got you got a coffee truck, man? <clears throat> yeah, pull up, man. We're in the city <laughs> anytime. Just, just drop the name and we'll we'll give you the family discount. All right. That sounds good. But I remember about Luca too, like the way the league and look, Aiton has been great. Aiton, the last like two and a half years has Even really they didn't give him the max. But yeah, he has been great. Well, yeah, that's a different <laughs> can of worms because of the ownership there in, in Phoenix. Yeah, but I felt the same way about Luca. Like the way the game has changed. Like I would much rather take a guy like Luca, but it was an unknown, right? Like no one really watched him. Yeah, like you watched him because you also played out there, so it was different. Mm-hmm. You're a fan of basketball from that standpoint, but. 
I think those guys are like the most valuable players on their teams. And look, like Giannis too. The voter fatigue, like I feel like it applies to Giannis too. Like we're not even mentioning Giannis and dudes having a monster. Yeah, I don't think he's he's having a great season, but I don't think it's quite to the level of Steph and Durant Durant or even Jokic. But he is playing great. Yeah, they're only one game back of the Nets too. Yeah, it's a tough award to win. You know, like if you say somebody, if you say that somebody is not the MVP, it's not a knock. There's like only one guy that could win it. You know. Yeah. So it's tough award. It's weird, man. It's become it's become such a polarizing topic. Like people update their MVPs every week. Yeah, I in mean, all sports, everything too. is polarizing in this day and age. It's almost like the LeBron thing I was talking about earlier. You say anything about LeBron, they have to try and box you in as a LeBron lover or LeBron hater. You know, yeah. everything's polarizing. You can't just have a take. What uh, what are you most excited for moving forward, rest of the way? I know we have a lot of season left to go, and and I would love to get you back on. We'll get Nick on too for like a playoff preview later on down the road. But That'd be fun. What would you What would you say is like the thing that upsets you, excites you, the rest of the way? I mean, this is not really an exciting take, but I just want to see how LeBron could bring it together with this team, and how things will change, and what roster moves they'll make. So I'm excited to see what they'll do. Um. And I think they'll get it done. Like, I think they'll at least get to the Western Conference Finals. I think they'll figure it out. And by the end of the season, we'll kind of forget forget about this half of the season when it comes to them. Or we'll be like, remember when they were playing like this? And as you said, they're not even playing as bad as people think. Right. So, you know, I think they'll get it together. And they're definitely going to make some roster moves. This team is not going to be the same roster uh, come playoff time. Yo, it's so crazy how day-to-day things change. Yeah. And like talking points can influence you so much. I literally had this conversation on the Monday episode. We were talking about the NFL. Like there's three, four teams where I couldn't believe their record for better or for worse. I'm like, what the hell? They have a chance at the playoffs? The way they're being covered, I feel like they got three wins this year. Same thing with the Lakers. Like the Lakers are. We're just getting too much information in this day. That's why I like to read, man. You just focus on one thing and you could embrace it and really think about it. No outside noise. Digest it. You you know, we're recording this on a Thursday. One week ago, um, Rutgers beat the number one team in the country on a Eurostep half court shot. And nobody's even thinking about that right now. That was a crazy game. Yeah. You know, people would, would be talking about that for weeks if this was like 20 years ago, you know? Yeah. So it's so crazy how fast the sports cycle and the news cycle is. Oh, bro. No one, no one, like this episode is going out tonight. If I also release this in two, three days, it's like outdated. Yeah. Who knows? So, you know, God forbid someone pulls a hamstring or blows out a knee and then you're like, oh, shit, all those takes you had about so and so, it's. Yeah, that's why I like having episodes about like mindset and athletic performance and human performance because those episodes are timeless. Right, evergreen episodes. Yes, yes, yeah. I love those. But you know, I love having the sports takes and the takes as well. So you gotta, you know, mix it up. Mix it up for sure, book. man. Dude, this was fun. I, I appreciate it. Oh, thank anytime, for, man. Thank you for coming on. Anytime, man. It's a great name. You have a great space here. Thank you. This is awesome, man. I love it. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on your platform, man. I really Dude, appreciate tell the people where they can find you and listen more. They can find me on Combos Court, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Twitter, Combos Court, same name as the podcast, C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. You can find me on the Believe Network. For the Believe in Magic podcast with my co-host Max Van Auken. Uh, you could often find me on Twitter Spaces with Pierre from Through the Wire. You could often find me on Coach Nick's YouTube channel, B-Ball Breakdown. But you know, the biggest thing is uh, staying consistent. 
yes, <laughs> that's sir. what i do man so uh yes sir love it i'm gonna make sure to have all the handles on the on the bio too i'm gonna need you to send me some we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most definitely, most definitely. A double. We here? Back in the building. Chaos has ensued America or the world. <laughs> oh, man. I was just telling you this before we started recording. You know, uh, last week's video, uh, me, you, and Josh, mm -hmm. all we said was COVID. That's all we said. Yeah. And Josh was like, that C word. That video got demonetized on YouTube just by saying COVID. Wow. And we legit didn't give no take. Like, there was nothing. Like, it was just a general statement. Like, yeah, that was all we said. But oh. welcome to 2021 as we move into 2022. Right. Chaos has ensued. Uh, question, since we're on the topic. You think anything happens to the NFL? I think, as far I, as I think a lot of practice squad players better be ready to play. Yeah, look look like what happened to right. the Rams. Well, the Rams. Browns better be ready. Browns. Uh, some Ravens guys. Yeah. Just across I think the Washington board. as well. Yeah, Washington also. Yeah, Josh was so, talking about that today in the group chat. Just, you better be ready, death wise, to utilize your players. They better be. They better know the playbook, and they got to play twenty five, thirty snaps. That's how it is. I think that's what the best coaches do. And look, what you saw Monday night, Sean McVay, one of the most impressive coaching jobs you've seen in quite some time. The way they adjusted, the loss of Ramsey didn't really affect them. You know, they use two practice squad guys to replace Higby. And just tremendous job all around. It yeah. also helps when your quarterback plays at an exceptional level. That's that's the best game he's played in, a, in about a month. I'm gonna take away the might be the whole season. Yeah, that was he lit it up. He lit it up. Cooper Cup too, man. Just we're talking about throwing Jefferson too. Yeah, and Odell, right? Like Odell, Odell got busy. Everyone was talking about that play. Did you know about that play where if you run backwards, the clocks? I didn't. See, sometimes you watch football, you learn new rules, like, and you think you know it all, and then it's just like, whoa, okay, that's like a new nuance. And kudos to him, very aware play. Hell yeah, that yeah. play was awesome. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, Odell catches this pass. It's uh, under two minutes or close to the two minute mark, but it's yeah, it's you know, I think it was like three twenty left. They're trying to kill the clock, and mm -hmm. it seems like a swing pass, screen pass ish to Odell, and he runs out of bounds, but because he runs backwards, right. The clock continues, and that was a super heads-up play because he could have went forward. It was enough if he wanted to duke it out for another yard or two, but he went backwards, and then they said that because he went backwards, the clock still goes. Clock still goes. Yeah. And what you said, man, no matter how much you know, new mm -hmm. rules just pop up that you just haven't 
not that you don't well or it's not really been established like when have you ever seen it it's not a common thing when have you seen a player done it at any time let alone a high profile game so yeah i uh i want to mention something in the fallout of that game deandre hopkins out for the rest of the regular season with a knee sprain right can potentially suit up in the playoffs however if he doesn't what do you think of the outlook of the Cardinals without D Hop? Well, obviously, their ceiling gets lowered. I, I still think they could be effective, and just because I don't know. Like, obviously, he has that chemistry with Hopkins, but it hasn't quite clicked. And I'm not saying numbers wise, because we all know Arizona is a balanced offense at this point. Like Hopkins' numbers are way down, but I don't think it's a. It's really on him. I think it's just more of a testament how the offense is structured. Not to mention how many opponents they've blown out. Like Arizona's blown out a lot of teams this year, so they haven't had to throw in the ball. 40, 45 times. But, oh, man, if you're going up against, like, a Tampa Bay or Green Bay without Hopkins, it's just as, as talented as they are, you're putting a lot of pressure on guys like A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. And Ronald Moore yeah. also. One of the reasons why those guys are allowed to flourish, I mm-hmm. think, in my opinion, and I feel like you would agree, is because you do have D-Hop there. Tracks all the tension. Exactly. Yeah. So now without D-Hop there, mm-hmm. you need Christian Kirk to play, like, a number one, and then the other guys step up. So it's always... The the term in like sports mm-hmm. betting that really became popular in now like real life football is cluster injuries, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know it's not a cluster injury, it's just a one position, but you take a look at like what's happened to the Baltimore Ravens secondary. A lot of injuries throughout right. the year. So now you have the fourth and fifth corner. They're actually your starters now. Mm-hmm. So it's the depth takes a hit there too. If it wasn't for um you know, some of those Chargers wide receivers also were out because of COVID last week, right. too. So it's Key like now, you get hit with a bunch yeah. of cluster injuries. Lucky for them, they were able to prevail. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I want to talk about before we get into some of these games of the week. You brought up how much of a mess the AFC North is. Tell me, what is it What is it about the AFC North that you feel like is a crazy mess? You couldn't give a definitive answer on, on who's the best team and... You just look at the stains, and there's no one you could feel comfortable with right now. Meanwhile, two potential playoff teams could come out of it. I don't think three will come out, but it could still be two. Yeah, and for as bad as it seems... And they're all over 500. Yeah, and for as bad as it seems in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. they're 6-6-1. Well, six, six and one. Okay, they're 500. Yeah, they're 500, yeah. right? Um, another team, uh, Atlanta... I couldn't believe that Atlanta six and seven. I feel like the, the way they've been covered, bro, the, and your enthusiasm is the biggest game of the year this Sunday against San Fran. It hasn't been a big game in like three years. It's a big game. Fire, man. Going against Kyle Shanahan of all people. Good, good, <laughs> good to have some buzz in the ATL. Yeah. But back to the AFC North. The reason why I bring that up and you know to mess around with the Falcons is there's there's a couple of teams whose record I just couldn't believe. They just surprised me, and I feel this way about the AFC North. And now you have some injuries that have happened to some of these teams. You get the COVID shit that went down with the Browns for this weekend. Bengals, the moment I start to trust them, they lose. Yeah. So it's that team is a coin flip. Painfully lose. Yeah, and they just lose games that they shouldn't lose. Like, you shouldn't have lost that game to the Niners. Not at all. Between the muff punts, Zach Taylor's concertism, a couple of weird taunting penalties. just They just look like a very talented team that kind of needs to grow up a little bit like Arizona like not to go back to Arizona but just the way they handled that, that late game situation totally baffling I can't for the life of me figure out how a team gets an interception 
or a fumble recovery, and the entire defense sprints to the camera, celebrates, choreographed celebrations, mm -hmm. that's not taunting. But a guy points at another player, 15-yard penalty. Where? Come on. There's just no semblance of rules. Like we don't know, we don't know how to categorize them. They don't know it either. Because it's, it's yeah. remember how difficult it was to understand what a catch was. Right. Right. This if you were to throw something at me and I uh -huh. caught it, right? This, uh, oh, nice right. catch, man! Yeah, yeah. Way to catch this. Right. Right. We're at the grocery store and you're like, "Yo, pass me uh -huh. a bag of Skittles." I throw it to you. You catch it. Like, Yo, nice catch. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to take fucking three steps up the aisle and then turn and make a a move Football to the register yeah. to tell me that's a catch. And then sometimes with the maintain possession, you know, if the ball hits the ground and the ball hits the ground, but then it's a cat. Like, it's just, it. there's nothing established with this. That's how, the problem. How about this? I'm in the front of the goal line and you throw me a pass and my feet are at the goal line and I just catch the ball like that and mm -hmm. I just stay like this. Is it a catch? Do we know? Do uh, you know if it's a catch? I thought you were going to determine if it was a touchdown or not. No, I'm saying like, okay. is it a catch? I didn't make yeah. no football move. I, mean, right. I just caught the ball and I just stood here. Well, two feet. Are, are, are your two feet planted? My two feet are down. My that two should, feet are... should be catch. Yeah, but I haven't made no football move. I yeah. haven't brought it in, but we're, we're just right here. To me, two feet. That, that's what it's always been. Fucking chaos. Yeah, so... It's too much. But you yeah. brought up the taunting about the Bengals. That's why I went into this. It's just they, they're finding ways to lose in unacceptable ways. Even though, if you look at... I think Cincinnati has the best all-around team at the moment. Like, if you look at them performance and roster-wise, you would trust them over the rest of the teams. Just because there's enough balance between both units i want you to play win loss win loss for the teams in this division okay i know a couple of them still have to play the packers which is not ideal so ravens yeah they are eight and five they got the packers this week at home at the bengals home rams home steelers bro that's a tough. That's tough sledding there. Damn, losing three out of four. Three out of four. Potentially four because Pittsburgh usually plays them really well. But like you mentioned, those first three games, I don't trust them against any of those teams. So right, I agree with you. Like they lost Marlon Humphrey. Who like I know Jamar Chase leads league in drops, but he can still make plays. Like who? Oh, you saw what he did to them the last time they played. Yeah, two, and like so, I that's the big thing with Baltimore right now. Their QBs obviously banged up, but that's secondary. There's like nobody left. And don't get me started about Greg Roman. That offense that, to me, that's the most undisciplined sloppy offense is what they run there and then you got they finally discovered Rashad Bateman could play receiver by the way they're not giving 35 snaps to Devin Duvernay all the time like how they were utilizing Bateman I didn't understand hopefully they start using him more, more going forward but Baltimore's just sloppy right now as much as you want to believe in hard book it's not looking good so you said they potentially lose three out of the four yeah. right you would say they go one and three rest of the way right so they're at nine and eight Right. Let's just say you know fantasy okay. book, and they're nine and eight. Browns, home Vegas with who the hell knows what they're putting out mm -hmm. there. At the Packers, at the Steelers, home Bengals. Oh four. I was gonna say one and three for one them three? as well. Yeah, but maybe Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh seems like the team that we're counting out the a, most. A lot of divisional games left. Yeah. Notice. Yeah. Yeah. So if we put them at one and three, Allen, they come out to eight and nine. All right. Right. All right. Let's to me, go that to defense really has to carry them. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it did last week. Yeah. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett went crazy, mm -hmm. and some of the DBs made some really good plays, too. Now let's go to the Bengals. Bengals, rest of the way. At Denver, home Ravens. 
home Chiefs at Browns. Two, two, three, and one. Three and one, yeah. Besides losing to the Chiefs. This game's a little tough in going into Denver, though. It is. No, and I really like what Denver's doing. They're fully believing in their running game. But I don't know. I still kind of want to believe in them just because I think both they have enough talent on both sides of the ball. And, like, even though the numbers aren't great, Burrow's still playing pretty well. Like, mm-hmm. I do believe in Burrow. It's just I don't know what's going on Mixon. Mixon hasn't really gotten involved the past few weeks. P. Rye's getting more carries. I just think they're at their best with, you know, Burrow's – doesn't have all the pressure on him, and then you could give Mixon 20, 25 touches. I agree. Yeah. That's the ideal game script right. and just flow that you okay. want the yeah. Bengals to yeah. be in. Also got to admire what's going on with Trey Hendrickson because he got injured against San Fran. Their pass rush fell off a cliff. And crazy stat, he's got a sack in the last nine games, like literally nine-game sack streak. It's been a hell of an addition. Yeah, think of some of the dudes that could rush the passer in that division. Every team's got one. Every team got yeah, one yeah, that you got to really worry about. Yeah. So let's say we give the Bengals two and two. Mm-hmm. That puts them at nine and eight. Steelers now. They're a brutal stretch. Rough stretch for the You know, Steelers. I think they'll win Sunday. So the Steelers are six, six, and one. Mm-hmm. And their schedule this week, they got the Titans at home. Good timing. Perfect timing. Yeah. Now is when you want to play the Titans. Yeah. I think now is when you could beat up on Tennessee. Because I don't think Brown's going to be activated till either before the San Fran Thursday night game or after. Like He's got another week. Yeah, and you still don't need to worry about Derrick Henry. Yeah. And I think it's it's been it's been done for Julio. Yeah, he's just supporting act at this point. Yeah, Mount yeah. St. Julio is not going to erupt anytime soon. So they got Titans at the Chiefs, home Browns at the Ravens. That Browns game is essentially a must win, but then again, it's like six, eight, and one. Let's let's say let's say best case scenario they go two and two. Yeah. So now they're eight, eight and one. My Tomlin keeping the dream alive. The dream <laughs> stays alive above five hundred every time he's been in. They're gonna put a banner up. And the way it would turn out is Ravens and Bengals nine and eight, eight and nine for the Browns, eight eight and one for the Steelers. Oh, that's a headache. And I don't know what the Bengals and Ravens tiebreaker is because you don't we, know about division, yeah. So it, it's really hard to predict. I it, still it really I lean I will lean Cincy, but the issue with Bengals is they have by far the worst coach in the division. Mm. It's not even close. I really want to believe in Cleveland. It's just they cannot move the ball offensively, and now things are pretty fragmented roster wise due to COVID. But it's just you watch them offensively. It's like Mayfield's due for three or four head scratching throws a game. Yeah, and there's no one really that outside of Nick Chubb, which Cream Hunt's hurt again. Cream Hunt is hurt again, but with Chubb, I just feel as if it's it's easier to take away a guy like that mm-hmm. when you have no threats on the outside. Right, you can stack the box. Which team's doing? People's Jones yeah. is cool. Yeah, he makes but, some plays, but but no one's scared of Baker. Like they're they're challenging Baker. Beat us over the top. Right. And we want you to throw for 40 times. Right. And Stefanski's over there with his play sheet shaking yeah. if he has to call 40 <laughs> pass attempts for Baker Mayfield. He's got to play a drop back game. It's a wrap because that's the thing with Baker. It's just you make him into a drop back quarterback where he has to play you know, two possessions down and it's going to be problems kind of like the jack off syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to it's going to be a, a, a fun stretch in that division. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from, from a whole division standpoint, the AFC North is really compelling based on what we presented. Right. There are another there are a couple of tight races like 
AFC West is going to come down to the wire, I feel like. Well, this game on Thursday, mm-hmm. tonight, if you're listening to this, obviously we're recording it prior yeah. to the outcome of Chargers and Chiefs. That's going to come down to seeding and division. Yeah, I Based on recent news, Chargers, things are looking shaky. Yeah, a lot of no, guys. No Slater, potentially no Derwin or Eckler. It's a lot of talent. Yeah. And Chris you're, Jones and you're is out. literally going against the highest team. Albeit, yeah, no Chris Jones at right. all. But No, yeah, that's yeah. it's not good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't even say that they're playing at home. They have that advantage. Cause no. Melvin Ingram revenge game, too. By the way, Melvin Ingram has been a huge addition. Melvin for Ingram yeah. has been... A massive pickup yeah, for them. Right. Frank Clark's looking like his old self. So Kansas City there. I know Josh was talking about last week. They're the hottest team. And yeah, yeah they're, and they're also, definitely the hottest team. They're not they're not having Sorensen in right. cover two coverages anymore and Thornhill's in the back there. end. Yeah. Have him play up closer to the line because he mm-hmm. likes to get scrappy and make tackles and mm-hmm. he's better there. It's gonna come down to the wire, man, in that right. division. And you know, the the uh, NFC North is wrapped up, right? Like it's gonna be the Packers. Um, but the NFC in general outside the West, West got a little more interesting now. I yeah. feel like Arizona is a very favorable schedule down the stretch. Look, man, they were in cruise control the whole year. They were the top seed for, they were the last team that was undefeated. Right. And they had some adversity too, and they weathered it. But Rams came to play on Monday night, and I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen mm-hmm. because they beat them earlier in the year. And when I think of that NFC West, I just think of teams that just everyone goes three and three in that division. It's a battle zone. They just yeah. beat up on each other all the time. Right. Like you saw Colt McCoy beat up on the Niners. And, and that Seattle. was right when yeah, and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Though back to back seasons in Seattle, Colt McCoy is the goat in there. He won with the Giants. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear anything else. I, until things shake up there, I don't want to hear anything about Seattle being a hostile environment. Like you, yeah, you could, you could, them in the you, you could beat them there. Yeah, it was hostile when they had like the Legion of Boom. Yeah, six seven and, years ago. Yeah, and they had uh, uh, one of the Bennett boys on the mm. D end, and Marshall Lynch was there to mm. set the tone. Doug Baldwin, my boy, yeah, one of my favorite receivers of all time. Yeah. Love Doug Baldwin. He's as tough. Gritty as it gets. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Updated NFC rankings. You wanted to also touch on the NFC, and I'm glad that you mentioned it because it was something I wanted to talk about too. All year, Alan, we said we know who the five teams are going to be in the NFC. In some way, shape, or form, the order was to be determined. But we knew from like week three, Packers, Cowboys, Rams, Cardinals, Bucks. What's going to be the order? It's still going to come down to the wire. You have Packers, Bucks, and Cardinals. First, second, third, all 10 and 3. Then you got the Cowboys at 9 and 4, as well as the Rams. Of those five teams, I don't want to go all in on the Bucks. I don't like what I see from them defensively. And also, Brady, last couple of games, he's had some turnovers. Like, he doesn't. He's going to win MVP, I think. He's the favorite, so it's not really a hot take. But it doesn't feel Wait, like he's the MVP. Turnovers. Did he turn the ball against Buffalo? I'm trying to remember because he definitely didn't turn the ball over. All right, he threw a weird pick six against Atlanta, which was like the end. It was like a uh, botch on a screen. But like that Buffalo game, I don't really remember him making mistakes. Right, so he did it. No, I thought he was excellent as Buffalo. I feel, I feel like Two, Brady four, is six, not the seven, issue. Brady's eight. playing. That throw to Mike Evans in the deep corner. Good lord, the he's, velocity. He's had eight interceptions in the last six games. Okay. He's turning out a little bit. Unbrady like, right? Yeah. 
So to me, he's undoubtedly MVP. Maybe Aaron Rodgers. Who but does it? Nah, Rodgers is. A, I mean, I made the case on the last pod. Like, I don't think he's gonna win it because of. And it's got to be Brady for now. It's gonna be Brady. Yeah. But does he feel like an MVP though? He's still playing at a ridiculous level. Dude, that throw to Mike Evans. That's one of the throws of the year. Yeah, that and, was done. And but then, also Rodgers made that throw on that like rollout right. Over yeah, the top. that's another one. Made a couple. Right. No, they're both easily been the best quarterbacks this year. Uh no, I don't think Brady's issue at all. Brady to me, he's yeah, gonna yeah. go wrong. And what they're getting at Fournette right now. Fournette. Wow, what a what just totally rejuvenated his career because there was talks last year he was gonna get cut at the end of December because Aaron's was fed up with the drops, the turnovers, really bad at uh, pass blocking, and like now he's one of the most complete backs in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean playoff Lenny from last year has just carried into this season. Mm-hmm. He's completely eliminated Ronald Jones from yeah. the occasional three four touches when they're up three four touchdowns yeah. really they depend on him now he's not just like a supporting well, yeah, act and Gio bernard who was a guy that we were very high on mm-hmm. coming in there because he's very james whitey yeah right fits that scat back role for what the bucks want to do and the security blanket for tom brady but he's now out and mm-hmm. it seems like leonard fournette is just stepping into that role unscathed right. no no issues it's a guy i've been since the beginning not not the beginning of the year but around the halfway mark of the season when I realized how many Packers guys were going to come back come playoff time. That's the team I trust the most in the NFC. Yeah. I think consistently they, like what were their bad, their, their bad loss was that week one chaos against the Saints. Yeah. But outside of that, they got into the shootout with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Which Minnesota has just had. Everyone's kind of a crazy division. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Division game mm-hmm. came down to the wire. Like that happens, and Minnesota mm-hmm. has played a lot of games like that. That stat of, if you take away the last two minutes of the first half, and the end of the game, the Vikings would be twelve and zero. Yeah, <laughs> which is wild. Yeah, they're just terrible in late game yeah, situations. Just, yeah, or, or thirteen and zero now yeah. after what you know. But I feel like Green Bay is the team to beat in the NFC. Right. Who would you pick? I'm starting to lean Green Bay. It's just the special teams come on. Like, it's a legit liability. Like, the way between the field, the position, because like, a couple of kicks went out of bounds, 40 yard line, the fumbles. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a real hindrance. You can't even trust them to hit field goals. The holders, the holders are problem. Yeah, it's just these little aspects, they come back to haunt you. When you're playing the best of the best, like, these mistakes, you can't afford them. You could do it now against a team like Chicago. Chicago's will give you opportunities. But you could do it against Tampa Bay. Look what's going to happen. So, no, I do think Green Bay is the most complete team right now. I don't know how they're doing on the offensive line the way Bakhtiari still hasn't played yet. Uh, they lost Elton Jenkins, who was like an all-pro player. Like, they're just making it happen with no real credible offensive lineman, which I find remarkable. So, they're they're amazing right now. Preston Smith's getting it going. So, I, I'm fully on board with Green Bay. It's just... At some point, they got to clean up the special teams nonsense because this is just really inexcusable. Yeah. Nah, I get you. And and that's always a part where it's always offense, defense, offense, defense. Mm-hmm. But you could just see it now. It's going to come down to a field goal to win it. And there's going to be like a botch mm-hmm. snap. Or just turnovers. If they have a they botch punt return. Right. Yeah. And it just gives the team a short field. You give Tampa Bay 20-yard line red zone, one throw to Gronk. I feel as if... Nobody all year believed in the Cardinals 
and the Titans. Like those would be the two teams. I know we're talking about the NFC, mm-hmm. but like those two teams and first for the majority of the season and people were not buying into them. And now with the news of D hop, I know we kind of touched on the Cardinals before. That's a team that I would not be afraid to play in the first round. The big concern Arizona right now is they look, they're very light up front and I want to call them soft. They're just light. Like you could bully them. Like the fact the Rams bullied them in the trenches. We knew Aaron Donald was going to have a big game, but uh, I was shocked that, how ineffective their D-line was. Sean well, Jones also, was not a factor. Yeah, and also Aaron Donald on that first drive kind of set the tone for the whole oh, game yeah. where he, he took that – it was the guard of the center and just – Yeah, like he took Garcia, on, yeah. Right on top of Kyler Murray. Right. He was drawing holding penalties consistently. He had three sacks. Like, and yo, it was just one of those this, games. They didn't have – you know, Von Miller's been a dud since he got there. I think he has eight tackles and a pass deflection. I will say he did play contain well against Kyler. He did his job at times. Like that was the kind of game. Like Leonard Floyd was not doing his job until oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. they threw the pick right in his hands. But like in that kind of game, I don't want to be too harsh because against Murray, you got to play contain. Otherwise, he's going to tear you apart. Point. Very fair. But point. Uh, you hope Vaughn with more stats will get going. But yeah, he's been look. You expect more from him, so it's understandable criticism. The Cowboys. There are stats floating around of pre-calf injury for Dak, and then post. It's like eight touchdowns, six interceptions post. Prior to that, it was like, you know, 15 to three, kind of. Are you concerned about Dallas? They're still threatening. Like, talent-wise, I think they could beat anyone. Yeah. Like, especially with what they're putting together defensively. Those packages with Gregory Lawrence and Parsons, like, like they know how to get Parsons in these matchups against guards, and he just eats them alive. So I, I'm really intrigued by Dallas. It's just you play the best teams, you're going to have to score 30 points. And the way Dak's throwing right now, and now he has a full supporting cast. Like I still want to see a few more weeks, let the three receivers play with each other. But it's like Dak's missing throws right now. That's the problem. Yeah, it's not on the receivers. Yeah. It's, he's just not hitting guys. Right. And I think just seem very stacked. Like even against Washington when they were moving the ball, it was very quick. They weren't really throwing the ball deep. Like, I'm not sure if they're still concerned because Tyron Smith's in and out of the lineup. When Tyron Smith's not in the lineup, they get very cautious with their offensive line and because Terrence Steele, for whatever reason, cannot play on the left side. He's just primarily a right tackle. So I think if Dallas is really going to contend, they need Prescott and Tyron Smith to be at the peak of their games. You know what's funny about Smith is if he gets ruled out, the point spread doesn't move. But to me... It affects how I approach Cowboys games because he means so much right. to what Dak does offensively. The whole offense, because of him, does better. Mm-hmm. So then when he's not there, like the line, if the line is a seven-point line and he's ruled out, like it's not going to move. But what I'm saying is it should. Right. Because you you look at some of the games, like uh, I thought even though they played well against the Raiders, the Raiders are getting pressure and end up costing them. Yeah. Because I, I think Dak, as well as he plays under pressure, he could get rattled. And I think Terrence Steele, for whatever reason, he had one game where he allowed like 10 pressures at like three holding goals. It was just a complete disaster. And in that offense, with a guy like Gallup, you know, Lancashire Field, Cooper has his moments. Like, they have three players that could be vertical threats. And when you're not able to fully utilize that, it's it's a problem. And right now, Zeke's obviously not healthy. Pollard's injured. It's even though you want to get excited about Dallas, I think Dallas is definite threat. It's just you don't know if everything's gonna to come together. And when it comes to playoff time, they're gonna to have to play three games. It's gonna to have to come together. Yeah. Rank them. The five best teams in the NFC. Packers, Bucks, Rams, Cardinals, Cowboys. 
Same. I flip flop Cowboys and Cardinals. Okay. But I, I would agree. I think the Rams are interesting, man. Like they didn't have a Ramsey on Monday also. Mm-hmm. That team could be a problem. You know there was a report that surfaced that Cam Akers might be able to make it back for the playoffs. That'd be a huge. Yeah, but also, dude, like, why? If he, if he could use him in a couple of snaps, I, I'll admit, right now, Sonny Michelle is the guy. May, June, July, yeah. August, September, October, November, December, January, ten months, bro. He's in. He's a. Oh, ta- nine, nine. He's months. a town where if you could utilize him, they're comfortable with it. You you trust in it, but right now it's 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 amazing what Shoney Michelle is doing. Like real physical presence, like the way he was running through contact. Like I enjoyed Dar- Darnell Henderson, but I think Sony Michelle has definitely earned the right to get more carries. Yeah, and I also feel like Henderson is better utilized as an eight to twelve touch running right. back. Don't give him the workload. As opposed to the other way around, like they tried doing it with Henderson getting yeah. the boatload of the carries, and then oh Sony here's five to six. Mm-hmm flip-flopping right. don't forget man dude dude played really well in the super bowl him and edelman were the bright spots in that oh, super yeah. bowl when they played <laughs> yeah. i know it's not saying much right. no but they, michelle was able to first touchdown score he was the only one to score a touchdown in that game outside of that big play that they hit gronk on right outside of that if it wasn't nothing. for him that yeah. offense was not really moving the ball right so yeah michelle you you just have to get him in rhythm you get yeah. him 15 carries he could get going so yeah i'm Obviously, everyone's excited about the Rams now. It's just a matter of will their old line hold up because I still think you put that old line against Green Bay, Tampa Bay, there's going to be problems. And Dallas as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, you got to start recognizing Dallas. Like, it's weird because, like, Dallas, you look at the defense, it's like, yeah, they're flaws here, but they have some records up front. Like, Rand- dude, Randy Gregory. I know. Man, that interception. Think about it. The last three weeks, they've added back Lawrence and Gregory. Right. And you still in the back end, you got a dude that makes a lot of plays and digs. Mm-hmm. You got Parsons, who's everywhere. And it seems like the weakest part of their defense now might be the linebackers. Where I think at one safeties, point, safeties, safeties. Yeah. yeah, you would say safeties. Yeah, Van Rush has fallen off. I still, Kanyel had a big force fumble in that game, but he's been, if he, I think he had a COVID issue. So the linebackers, they just have like a bunch of pieces. Like, there's no real seconds. Obviously, Jalen Smith's not there anymore. But now the safeties are still, I think, a place where they can improve on. But. For most part, just I was just shot like like Heineke couldn't even complete a pass. Yeah, like it was ugly. Like they were just getting after him. Yeah, they really got after him yeah. bad. Yeah, and it was funny because the whole conversation that whole week was mm-hmm. about Washington. All right, Dallas's struggles, Washington on the winning streak. Yeah, that was a huge letdown. I know they were competitive at the end, but if you're a Washington fan, you did, you got be you got to be really discouraged by that performance in a big moment. A lot of things have surfaced over the last 24 hours with Washington. They got bigger fish to fry and true. to worry about once again, right? Yeah. Like once It happens again. every month, Yeah, every month. I don't know Scissors how- on the field, though, bro? What a FedEx, shit show. FedEx field. Well, I want to get to what I think is the marquee game of the weekend, and it's the Colts at home against the New England Patriots. Both teams are coming off a bye. Colts are 7-6. and six. Right now, they have... A playoff position. Yo, it's not going to happen, but Frank Reich should get some coach of the year consideration. It's like every year we say that. And he deserves it. He's he great. does. But yeah. think about it, man. They come out the gates. They're uh, they're one and four. Yeah. Expected, though, right? Because everyone's preseason handicap outlook of the Colts was... Mm-hmm. Yo, they got hit harder more than a, no, but they get hit harder more than any team in training camp, except maybe the Ravens. But like Colts, it was like Wentz is out five to twelve weeks. Quinn Nelson out this long. It's just it was like piling on. 
Yeah. Yeah, and also when you think of the, the difference between the Colts and the Ravens is that the Ravens have had their quarterback in-house. Wentz is going to a brand new system, brand new situation. Well, the, system may be the Coming off the worst year of his career, though, confidence right. low. You're, yeah, first time. What's my timing going to be with T.Y. and yeah. Doyle and Pittman and all these guys? So you don't have him, and then you don't have him practicing. You don't have Quentin Nelson. You come out to that rocky start. You're one and four, and then you turn it around. And, yo, they've also been playing really well against some good teams, too. Like even the Bucks game. That's a game that came down to the wire. The Ravens game, they're probably looking at this now like, shit, man. We don't drop that game to the Ravens. Oh, yeah. We might have a chance yeah. at the division because they're 7-6. and six, The Titans are 9-4, and four, but they got swept by the Titans. So it's really like a two-and-a-half, three-game lead yeah. that the Titans have on the Colts. Yeah, Colts just got to be fortunate. They beat the Bills. That's going to be big going that stretch. That is, that, uh, Buffalo, man. That, uh... Those bills are not what we thought they were. I mean, very gutsy second half. I enjoy the hell of it. That felt like a Josh Allen. I don't want to say statement game because we've known how good he was, but that was a put this whole but shit on my de- back. De- defense did its own too. Yeah. They held their own. So I, I'm still fairly optimistic with the bills. I just think tiebreaker wise, it could mean a lot mm-hmm. because Bill's still got to play Patriots, so who knows? But as for this game, I'm just curious about how are the Patriots going to try to stop Jonathan Taylor because I think Frank Wright realizes they got to keep the ball away from Carson Wentz as much as possible. You do not want Carson Wentz throwing the ball more than 30 times against this Patriots secondary because with the coverages, the disguises that Belichick's going to put together, you, you you just don't want the game to be in Wentz's hands. You want to rely on your running game and you know try to control time possession. Hmm. But then on the, on the other side of the ball, Patriots, it's, like, it's two very similar offenses. like Two quarterbacks that aren't really going to push the ball downfield too much they're gonna try to play within their uh skill sets and just kind of spread the ball around the more you the more you say it the more i see how similar those two teams are both want to run the ball both have some guys that could get some separation both have quarterbacks that i mean we saw with mac jones Mm -hmm. ideally if they throw under 25 times would be nice he's been off for it's gonna be like two weeks since yeah, pretty much, yeah, right? Like... Pretty much, dude. There was one time I played a high school football game where this team would not have their middle linebackers would line up over like the C gap, like out, like oh, it was wow. a weird. My coach just pulled me in during the week. It was like, you know, you're not gonna probably have any pass attempts this week. And sure? All we did was run the ball right, right down the right A gap, A gap left, A gap right, open like the that, whole bang. time. Okay. Yeah. And we threw like two fades. He's like, oh, for shits and giggles, yeah. just. To have you active, keep them honest so they don't collapse kind of thing. But I feel as if the Colts defense, it's looked at as, ah, they're they're okay. Maybe because they don't have really big names like Darius Leonard is a big name. But, man, they got some bullers the on Forrest Buckner is a big name. Buckner, Kenny, Kenny Moore is having a really good year. Yeah. Uh, we thought Xavier Rose was done. He's quietly put together a solid year. I think it, this defense fits him because they play zone heavy and it kind of hides his because l- l- he's lost his stuff. So one thing I like doing is when I watch on Sunday Ticket, you could put on the broadcast from that set team on. Mm-hmm. And Xavier Rhodes, I believe it might have been the Bucks game. I think it was the Bucks game because I remember I had that game on my laptop and Rhodes stepped off for maybe a drive. 
And the announcer lost his mind how valuable Rose was to the wow. team. And that's very telling, yeah. right? Because, like, sometimes when you're watching on Red Zone, you don't really hear the commentary from that particular team that gets covered. But when you when I heard that, it was like, damn, this dude has been playing well. Because mm-hmm. I, I know he's been playing well, but not to that extent where, like, the PA announcer is yeah, sort of panicking. Like, like, this is a play very huge guy. loss. So Now, Colts always have a stabilized defense. It's just... They allow teams to carve them up a little bit. That's the problem. They're not. They don't blitz a whole lot. They don't play a ton of man coverage, so it kind of limits them. Like they force turnovers purely off Darius Leonard punches. Like there's not a better player at punching the ball out, peanuts Tillman style, than Darius Leonard. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's made that an art. Yeah. That's an art form, man, to be yeah. able to punch the ball out like that. What do you think about this game, though, from a AFC landscape outlook? Because you know, if you're the Chiefs. The Chiefs, if they win on Thursday, they potentially are going to go into this weekend as the one seed, only because New England still has a game to play. This is a big game for the Patriots because playing in Foxborough that time of year, yeah. the the aura of Foxborough yeah. is a little just different, comfort, right? Because a rookie quarterback going arrowhead at that time—that's another thing too. Yeah. You would want this to. Go right. through New England because yeah. you have your rookie quarterback yeah. there. Because everyone wants to talk about, look, Matt Jones, yes, he has composure. Yes, he can make some tough throws. But, like, he could put the ball in harm's way. And just he, he he's still someone that could get rattled. Like, he, if the throw isn't going his way, he'll try to force it. So, uh, sometimes he just doesn't read it, mentally process defense either. So, to me, like, Matt Jones has – everyone likes to craft Oh, he looks like a 10-year veteran. But he's still prone to mistakes. Yeah. So, that's why you want to put him in the best, most favorable situations possible. Uh, but this game, I just, I'm curious. Like, I don't know. Like, I just think yeah, both teams is kind of like a ball control style. But New England's gonna get more creative though. Like, both teams have like we talked about skill position players here, like Kendrick Bournes, or on uh, the Colts side like a Zach Pascal, like you know, Doolin. Doolin as well. He's scoring, got a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Some deep so, shots. so they have some players, both teams that could just come out of nowhere and make some plays like a Jack Doyle or Hunter Henry. So it's just like a collection of characters. You know, I think Pittman's a star, but outside of that, you yeah. just have a collection of players. Man, as I'm looking at the standings and the potential playoff teams in the AFC, bro, what quarterbacks do you trust? In, in the, the AFC? AFC? Is it not just Mahomes? Mahomes, Herbert Allen? Herbert, everyone knows my man crush on Herbert. Yeah. It's fair to say, hey, can we see him in the playoffs? What is right. it going to be like in the playoffs? Obviously, the talent is there. We yeah. get that. Allen, we've seen in the playoffs, but this year, I'm, I'm still, kinda, I'll, still, I'll still trust him. But like, yo, Wentz, <laughs> uh, Lamar now hobbled, Ryan Tannehill, Mac Jones, yeah. a rookie. We might look back at the AFC, bro, and the Chiefs win it again and be like, man, it was just right there. I thought that's that's kind of been the case. I remember, what was it, May 2019, we were talking about the AFC quarterbacks in the playoffs, and it was just as bad. Like, it's just a division. Yeah, but you still had Brady, though. Right. And look, we still got Mahomes now. Right. Right. I just think AFC, you really want to see the young quarterbacks take strides like a Joe Burrow, hopefully with new coaching staff, Trevor Lawrence. Well, I want to see. I'm really rooting for the Bengals to make the playoffs because I think it'd be dope to see Burrow, Herbert in the playoffs. And then Carson Wentz with this fresh start at a new Mm -hmm. place would be pretty sick. Because you want to see this this crop because, like, the crop that was coming up, it's kind of folded. The whole Deshaun Watson situation, Baker Mayfield clearly is not the guy. Like, there's been some major letdowns. Sam Darnold. 
Oh, I'm dead. I don't think that, I don't think that was ever, that ever started. I don't think that oh, man. Sammy D. Oh, we we going to win this one. It's tight. This one's difficult. It's very difficult, man. I want to say I want to say the Colts. I'm going to pick the Colts. Wow. So but, you're banking on Jonathan Taylor pretty much. Because I just don't know how Colts are going to muster up drives. Yo, l- let's think about this. L- let's play a little uh, planning ahead next week talking points. Bucks are playing the Saints. Saints have Brady's number. What if Taylor goes into this game and puts up Dalvin Cook versus Steelers numbers? Goes for 200. Yeah, I just don't see the Patriots op- offering that many holes. Like, you watch that game. I get we, it, man. We, we could have put up 100 on the. I, st- I get it. Yeah. I get it. But just bear with me yeah, here, okay. right? Basically, all right, 200 is a stretch. But say he's the reason. Yeah, he's the reason. He has a two-touchdown performance, yeah, he 150 has, total scrimmage yeah, yards, that, right? Which is definitely possible. And then Brady throws one touchdown, two interceptions. And it's like a 220-yard passing day. I feel like Taylor puts himself right back into that discussion. Oh, look, I would love a non-quarterback to win MVP. I just, I like seeing the impossible happen, but I just think at this point, everyone's so Yeah, look, uh, uh, look, if if someone was to give me a million dollars and they're like, yo, bet an MVP, I'd be Brady. Yeah. Yeah. But. But, No, Taylor's legitimate. Like, he's. I'm talking about what the talking points are going to be next week if this happens. That five touchdown game against Buffalo, that turns some heads. It's like, okay, well, he, this is. What's happening there? He's changing, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, I think yeah. people will start saying, oh, Brady's going to win MVP, but this running back. Right. It's just the Patriots. Like, all three levels of their defense, they just have players coming on. Like, you watch that Buffalo game. They were getting after it. Uh, oh, I'm always butchering his name. The French dude. He's like a fifth-round draft pick. The nose tackle. I think Gawaks or something. Like, he was making plays. And then Baltimore's a stud. And they just got Adrian Phillips. Like, they just all across that team. Like, that Bills game, everyone wants to talk about the weather. But that defense, they did it just outstanding job. Like, even when the Bills won the run on first down, they weren't allowing more than two yards. Now, I know Indianapolis is a different proposition. And they got Pro Bowls across their whole line. But I uh, just sign tells me, like, just how well-coached the Patriots are. And just if if they're, if if they put the Colts in third and longs, I just have a feeling Wentz is going to turn the ball over multiple times. Wentz, for the strides he's made this year, he still is very reckless with the ball. He is. And it's unfortunate because I feel like it happened in only two games. In like two, two games did he have those reckless plays. Well, I thought the Bucks game, he cost them. You think so? He had two, I think two interceptions, had a fumble. Well, he only has five picks on the year. Okay, I wonder how many fumbles. Like, he had a bad fumble against Tampa Bay. Well, there was that one uh, interception called fumble against against the Niners. The the monsoon game. But for the most part, he's had a... I feel like if I was a Colts fan, I'd be happy with what I got from Wentz. Because I expected so little in this move, him coming over. It's just, what's he going to do against the premier defenses? That's that's now the question. You're going to play at this level now. You you hope that he could, you know, be more careful and hit Pittman as much as possible. Pittman's their game changer. He has nine turnovers on the season, four lost fumbles. Okay. See, the fumbles are still an issue. It's yeah. always been like that in his career. So, I'm going with the Patriots. I just f- feel like I trust them more. It's that time of the and, year. And too, and man. I think I think their ground games legitimately one of the best in the league with Harrison Stevenson. They they tire teams out. They wear down fronts. Like they will pound teams into submission. That o and that O line, 
they just get after it between Andrews and uh, Trent Brown and Shaq Mason. Like that O line could just wear you down. Mm-hmm. So, and the Patriots, they're all about ball control. Both teams are all about ball control, but. I'm going to trust the Patriots slightly more. It's going to be of grind. I, I think this could be like a classic 20-17 game. Yeah, I was going to say 17-14. Yeah. And by the way, you know what's quite like, – we don't talk about kickers ever. Nick Folk, quietly having a really good year. Every time I see Nick Folk, he's making kicks. I think besides Tucker and uh, Youngway Koo, Nick Folk, you up him right up there. And a guy who bounced around a little bit. Right. Really bad. Like he was almost out of the league. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you don't know how valuable a kicker is until you need one. In the big games. Big games, yeah, big spots. That you know are going to be close. Yeah. And think about it now, too, from a just, you know, you're down you're down nine points. Sorry, you're down 16 points and not 16, 15. Say you're down 15 points and you send your kicker out there to kick the PAT to cut it to a one-score game, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that you have a kicker that can hit their field goals, PAT to keep it to an eight score, eight point game. You look confused. Yeah, where are you going with this? I'm saying, like, you don't know how valuable having a kicker is right. until you're in a scenario where you're you're down fifteen points and you score a touchdown. Yeah. So now you're down nine points and you go out for a PAT. Mm-hmm. If you have an asshole kicker that can't hit that PAT to cut it to eight. Well, a lot of teams are going for two now. Right, there's that too. Yeah. yeah, but you saw that scenario happen the, over the weekend, right. where a team went for two when they shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I think it was Pittsburgh. Uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. Pittsburgh played Thursday night. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I get what you mean. And how many reliable kickers in the league? Eight, nine. Probably less. Yeah, like Matt Prater. What a hell of a job he did. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, it's it's important, man. Mm-hmm. It's important. You're up seven, and there's five minutes left. Mm-hmm. And it's a 56-yard field goal attempt, sending a guy out there to, to make it 10 and knowing that, yo, you know what? Not only is it going to be a two-score game now mm-hmm. with five minutes, yeah. they're not going to get the ball at the 50. Right. It's important. By the way, I hope Adam Vinatieri's at this game. Big figure for both franchises. They'll probably do like the the uh, just jersey, yeah. the jersey honoring. Yeah. Shouts to the members of the Patreon. We got Christopher Velasquez, Derek Platees, Devin Rendon, Jordan Riley. Mike Wozniak, Ryan Pisner, and Stephen Briggs. You can catch next week's episode with Will Blackman, my co-host, well, the host of Upsets and Underdogs. I'm the co-host on there. When we were out in Vegas, you can catch that. The portion of the show that you're going to hear now is with Kenny King Jr. That was a pod that we recorded when I was out in Vegas. Also, you could have got that early on the Patreon So every week moving forward, you're going to get either an exclusive episode or an episode early, as well as like the betting stuff, too. Uh, We got hot with the betting picks. I'm doing pretty well in the contest. However, last week went one and four. Who who burned you? I mean, who didn't? I took all underdogs and it was 12. Oh, wow. You're living up the brand name. (laughs) Bro, all all the favorites covered. And like I know, because I saw I saw PFF post the only underdog that really won last week was the Falcons, which the Falcons <laughs> were the only underdog to win outright, and then yeah. the Browns were the uh, uh, not the Browns, the Ravens were the other ones to cover, and okay. then Monday night, so it was like twelve and three against the spread with the favorites. Watch out, listeners! Watch out, degenerates! Anytime you have favorites the week before, crush it. Sports books get annihilated. Just be careful this week. Pursue with caution. We'll talk about that on the Patreon, but. 
I picked a bad week to go one and four, bro. Oh. Just because I made up a lot of ground. I'm in this mega contest. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, 27,000 people. I went 16 and four in the last four weeks. So I made up a it's lot of damn ground. Impressive. Yeah, I had a four and one, four and one, five and oh, and a three and two week. Mm-hmm. And then coming into this week, I was top 800, placing in the money. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing too crazy. Not life changing money, mm-hmm. but first place is life changing, yeah. 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. But. Picked a bad week, man, to just get cold. I was like, oh. Still got four weeks? Four weeks, yeah. And mm-hmm. I realized how much ground I made up, dude, because mm-hmm. I was... Yo, 16 and four, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. man. It's like, really not serious, out. Like, yeah. if I could replicate a 16 yeah. and four now, who knows? Hashtag screenshot life yeah. for real, bro. Yeah. I got to get you into some betting. Actually, I, I like I like DFS. Yeah, DFS is cool. I, I, I'm I'm a nerd when it comes to players. Word. Yeah, I, I do enjoy players. And numbers. Yeah. Although, man, I invested a lot in Dak last week. Oh, because I just like attacking Washington's defense. Like yep. at this point in the year, like I don't know. I think I'm just gonna go anyone against the Jets. Like I'm pissed I ain't getting because I was concerned about Taysom Hill's finger. And it's like that didn't matter. Yeah, he just ran the ball. <laughs> I paid up for Camara in DFS last week. Yeah, he put up like twenty eight points. Just go against the Jets. Just go against the Jets. Sometimes it's just that simple, man. Yeah. At Nick Day is ten as we can find me at Veterans Minimum as you can find everything for the show. Big announcement for Veterans Minimum over the next coming weeks. I'm excited to share with you guys. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're everywhere. Facebook. Holla at us, Alan. Where can they find you? Alan Sturk, A L L E N S T R K, covering a potential. Playoff team, maybe <laughs> we'll see. It, the crazy thing is, like, if they lose to San Fran, it, I think it goes from like twenty five percent to like three percent. So, but what happens uh, if they win? If they win, it goes to like fifty five. Let's go. Because baby. the thing is, like, there's two seeds open right now. Yeah, and they're six to seven. San Fran seven six. So. They got the tiebreaker, and they played the Lions the final week, so it's all lining. But they got to play the Bills. But you know, we'll, we'll ride it out. We'll see. It's things are interesting for the first time in four years. I can't believe it. Let's go. Let's go. We'll catch you guys next time. My dude, what's up, brother? Yo, finally got to meet you, man. I know, right? Finally, face to face. It's always nice when you can like actually sit there and shake hands instead of talking over across the country. Yeah, with a delay yeah. the whole nine with the Zoom. My guy Kenny King Jr. in the building. What's good? How you living? I'm living good, man. You know, uh, out here for the Raider game. Got the Haney fight tonight. Um, just going to get things going. But, you know, just uh, it's been a crazy season for the Raiders, I'll tell you that. That's for damn sure. You guys have been having a crazy season, too. I mean, it's... it's I mean, nothing like what we have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, nah. Com- different levels of crazy, man. Yeah. It's just been uh, it's been a roller coaster for you guys, and I know I had you on my show a little earlier in the year. Yeah, and uh, you always have high expectations for your Raiders. Try, and I like it. I like the I like the passion. That's one thing that I really appreciate your content and your work. But man, how you feeling right now about where they're at? They're still not out. They still right. got a chance. I mean, they're still. I mean, they're. Very deep in the hunt. You've got a team that basically you've got a three-way tie in the AFC West. Um, the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders are now sitting there with a three-way tie. Um, you've got the Chiefs that have now taken over the lead, which, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, it didn't look like the Chiefs were going to do much of anything. Nah. Um, but looking at this team, I mean, it was a three-game skid. And it was like you have the loss to the Giants after, after Henry Ruggs. You have the the loss of the Chiefs, which I mean, they got beat. Like there was nothing to 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 sugarcoat that. And then a loss to Cincinnati, where they could have won that game if they had just done a better job of controlling the run and not turning the ball over. 
And so looking at this team and looking at the way they played against the Cowboys, it's like this team is still very much in the hunt. They can do something. They just they have to put it together and continue to do it. And they, you got to win December. And yeah. it starts with the Washington football team. Yeah, what's interesting is that they that that entire AFC is so loaded, bro. Like yeah. I think there's only three teams in the whole AFC that are legit out. You, yeah. you could say, right? Everyone else has five or more Everybody's wins. got a chance. And the thing with the Raiders, it was just unfortunate cuz every year you have that point in the season, like the second half of the season, last three, four years, the Raiders start to fall apart. Yeah, yeah. But this year, it's not because of the play. Right. It's because y'all have gotten hit with all these. I mean, hurricanes of just. Yeah. I, chaos. I don't think I've ever seen a situation where a team has been affected by so many different things and so many different ways of things happening. Like, Gruden's emails, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, all those things coming together, that's a lot for, for a team to handle. And especially a young team when really the oldest player on your team, well, the oldest player on your team is on the injured reserve list, mm -hmm. and then the most tenured player on team is, is your quarterback. He's the only other person who's been around for the long haul. And so it's, it's tough for a young team and, and for, some, for everybody to rally together and say, let's get this when you lose your coach. Uh, you lose somebody who you consider a brother, and then you lose a guy like Damon Arnett. Uh, who decides to be stupid and, and go on Instagram Live and, and tote guns. So, um, you know, the way I look at it is before it was play collapse, right? It was the way that the play collapsed. Now it's, you know, it's actual mental collapses. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is that the collapse was closer to the midseason, and hopefully they can reel back and, and get it towards the end of the season. Well, I think they got the right guy in car, man. I've been so impressed with him. I, dude, I, there's been a not, – not even a running joke, but a, it's a take that I've been having. For a couple of weeks now, anytime we bring up MVP, I'm like, yo, I'd give my vote for Derek Carr. Hey, you know how I feel about Carr. But I think the way he's handled it. Yeah. Like, dude. Not a better person to, to, to take that. <clears throat> how much more can this guy deal with? And just yeah. my favorite thing that he did, man, is with all the Henry Ruggs stuff that went down, he, like, called them out, but, like, in a positive way. He was yeah. like, hey, man, I'm going to be there for him. Yeah. Right now, everyone's off him. I want him to know that I love him. Yeah. And I'm here for him. Yeah. That takes balls, dude. Especially in this climate now where you saw social media. Of everyone course. was going crazy. And look, no one's no one in their right mind says what he did was the right thing no. to do. Right? You, you'd be a psychopath. Yeah. However, to be able to have that dude stick up for him, yeah. and then even with the coaching change too, and just everything, just a, just a dude, like the best way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a tremendous respect for Carr, um, his family. I, you know, I talk to his brothers a lot. And just what he's gone through in his eight years with the Raiders, the, the number of head coaches, the things that he's had to deal with, those are all things that kind of stand out to me and, and his ability to, to kind of weather that storm. I think this year he's playing at a higher level than he's ever played. I mean, even in 2016 when he was, you know, in the MVP con consideration, he's killing those numbers right yeah. now. I mean, he's just crushing it. And so I think it's a matter of him just – He's got command of that team. He's got guys that just respect him, that love him, um, that want to play for him. And I think that that's where you're going to see a lot of the successes. And at the same time, the Raiders now have a defense that can actually get after the quarterback. And that's, getting, that's giving the Raiders a lot more success as well. Yeah. How do you feel about the Raiders moving to Vegas? How's it been now, the year and a half? I mean, I, I get to come to Vegas all the time. So Amen to that. <laughs> you know, I, look, I miss, I miss Oakland. I'm, I'm from Oakland. I miss being able to get on BART walk across the BART Bridge, smell the hot dogs, you know, tailgate, you know, smell every kind of different thing that you want to smell out there, <laughs> and then go to the stadium. And the stadium was a dump, but it was our dump. Like, it was a pig, but it was our pig. 
And it, being in Oakland was one thing. But now coming to Vegas, you got this beautiful new stadium. You have something that Al Davis worked so hard for his whole, his whole life, his whole time that he owned the Raiders. And it was something that was always promised to the Raiders. It was always something that was promised to Al Davis when he came back to Oakland, that there was going to be a new stadium done. And it didn't get done. And so it's kind of it's vindication for Marks to say, hey, I did this for my dad. I did this for Raider Nation. I built something that is the, Ra the Raiders can call their own. And you go into that stadium, it's, it's black and silver everywhere. And you got, you know, silver and black and, and Hall of Fame Raider stuff everywhere. You don't have A stuff. You don't have Niner stuff. You don't have any other teams. It's something the Raiders can call their own. So that part of it I love. And I love the fact that I have a reason to come to Vegas. And it's like, you know, I tell my wife, Hey, I'm going to Vegas this weekend. I'm going for the game, and it's it's not a it's not an argument like right. oh, you're going to go to the club. No, I'm not going to the club. I'm going to the game, and I'm going to come to Blue Wire Studios and, and do a pod. Yeah, now you got even more incentive exactly. to come out here. Hey, man, how do you feel about the emergence of like Hunter Renfro? Man, that's the goat. Yo, he's, <laughs> he's such a so. I would always say Hunter Renfro is the type of dude that he, he's such a good football player. Yeah, right. I know it sounds very basic to say. Like, he was never going to start in your fantasy teams. Right. But now, dude is putting up He's some starting on numbers. my fantasy team. Yeah, I got him at flex. But I've been a fan of his since Clemson. I was actually yeah. out in Vegas in uh, 2016 or 2017, the year they won the national championship. And I bet him 8-1 to one to win the national championship. Oh, wow. With Deshaun Watson and him. And yeah. he scored the game-winning touchdown yeah. against Bama. So, forever, Renfro? Ren bro, I just I love the way that he <laughs> plays the game. Because I was, I was actually talking to my boy about this on the way in. I love the way he plays the game because he just he doesn't care. Like he goes out there and he just has fun. And that's what football is all about. I mean, you're playing a kid's game. You're obviously you're the best at what you do and you're you're getting paid millions to do it, but you're playing a kid's game. And I love the fact that he's been able to go out there and do that. Um, but you know, he reminds me a lot of like a Fred Bolitnikoff, a guy who looks very unassuming, a guy who you would not expect to be as freakishly athletic as he is, and then he just goes out there and embarrasses people. My favorite my favorite picture is when they got A.J. Brown, Metcalf, and then it's like yeah. him. <laughs> and he's the best receiver out of the three of them. I don't know if I would agree right with that. Right now, right now, this <laughs> season, numbers, I mean, he's, he's putting it up. Yeah, I don't know what's been happening with the other two, but Renfro really has had that breakout down. Now he's getting more respect from national media. Yeah. Like, it's always dudes like him, first the fan base falls in love with him, right? right. Like, I'm sure you did. Oh, yeah. And then after that, it's like the – real football fans that actually watch not just red zone yeah they start to fall in love with him but now lights up the cowboys was yep. it a for like 134 135 yep. spotlight national spotlight and now people are talking about him as a premier slot wide yeah. receiver well and you got guys like edelman and, and welker that are basically you know that are calling him out as well like hey this guy i mean and these those are two of the best slot receivers of all time you know, yeah. those guys are just guys that just completely dominated the league. So, But also, you know, like, I I hate this notion of if you're a slot wide receiver, it's a bad thing. Like, if you can only line up in the slot, because this was a movement that was happening in, like, the fantasy football yeah. circles years back where they would say, why not take your Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, put them in the slot. Yeah. You have all the mismatches. And then you started seeing the Saints were doing that with Michael Thomas. Yep. Then you get Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams. DeAndre so Hopkins. That's just now dudes just line up everywhere if you're a complete wide receiver. Well, and that was one of the things that Gruden had uh, for his offense is that he wants guys that can line up anywhere. He wants guys that can play anywhere. So if you're a running back, you can line, out, you can line up out wide. If you're a tight end, you can line up out wide. If you're 
a quarterback you can line up at the slot. I mean, we saw Derek Carr line up on Trayvon Diggs and call him out and say, come here. <laughs> and, he, and Derek still, to this day, says that he wished that he caught that fade over him because that's just the kind of guys that you want. You want guys that are going to go out there and just can play football. And I think that that's where you have successful teams. That's one of the things that I, I can't stand the Patriots, but that's one of the things that Bill Belichick has done really well in his millions of years coaching. Yeah. What makes the Raiders such a polarizing team? I mean, the history, the history of the team, uh, the silver and black, the, you know, the, the band of misfits, Al Davis taken on the NFL, self-made man. Uh, he wasn't, you know, an oil tycoon or he wasn't something like that. He's a guy who came from the bottom, worked his way up, took over the league, fought the league and won and built a winning franchise and built almost a dynasty, you know, winning three Super Bowls within 10 years and, and really just creating a, a franchise that, that took players that were misfits and that were castaways on another team and turned them into Hall of Famers. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a – like I feel like the logo looks fire too. I mean, is there anything harder in, in, in sports? I would say maybe the, the thing, closest thing would probably be the Bulls logo. But there's no harder logo than, than an eye patch and a shield in silver and black. It's just it's, – it's menacing. And that's why you saw the, the you know, the LA, L.A. gang scene rocking Raiders stuff because it's just menacing. Yeah, and also they're neutral colors. You can, yeah. You can wear it with everything. I wear it every day. Yeah. Dude, how long have you been doing content? Uh, on my own, I've been doing content for about two years. Um, actually, no, for about a year. I just celebrated my first year. Uh, but I've been doing pods now for about three years. I was with Cody for a while and then uh, came on and, and started my own pod with Blue Wire about a year ago. How are you liking it? Love it. I absolutely love it. It's, I have a lot to say, and now I got people that want to listen to what I have to say. So, oh, right? Yeah. What, what a weird thing sometimes. Yeah, right? Like, you've been doing it for what? Like, five years, right? Six. Six, yeah. So, I mean. I used to do know. three different shows. That's nuts. I used to record six episodes a week, and I would commute Damn. from Queens to Long Island and then back. And I was waking up at three in the morning and I was in college Then I dropped out, just walked out. Yeah. Some shit from a movie, bro. No joke. That's like crazy. I was just, I was taking advanced because I speak Greek too. Yeah. That's why everyone calls me lamb. So I'm in Queens college and I go and I get lunch with one of my friends who I known her since I was like six. We went to elementary school, junior high school, high school. And I have my notes from my podcast. Yeah. And we had like a midterm or some shit. And she's like, yo, all you've been telling me every time we grab lunch is about your podcast. Like, why don't you just do that? Yeah. It was like one of those things from a movie, bro, where I'm like, yo, you're right. And I just walked out to class. I've been doing content ever since. I, I tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing better than creating your own content for, you know, to do the things that you want to do. Yeah. And that, I think that's what I like about it is because there's going to be people that want to listen to what you have to say. And if they don't, then they find somebody else to listen to. But you're going to talk about what you want to talk about. And I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. How do you, how do you like the direction of like where podcasts are going? Because I, I still feel personally, it's still in its. Oh, it's, it's not even toddler near. years, man. Yeah, it's not even near where, where it's going to be. I think that podcasts are going to be the next wave. I think podcasts, videos, things like that. Like I've been doing YouTube for, for about a year and a half now. And. People like to watch videos. People like to, they like to have, they like to have curated content. And we talked about this before is people like to have that curated content where it's stuff that they want to hear. They don't want to hear all the other, all the other filler stuff. And so when you can just hone in on something that, that benefits you, that's something that you love, people are going to want to do that more and more. And they want to listen to that more and more. So I think what podcasts are just going to continue to take off. And, and I mean, it's, it's going to be crazy to see what happens within the next five, 10 years.
Yeah, and I think the people that have been early to it are really going to see the the most benefit. Oh yeah, and yes. the ones and mo- not not even early, man. I don't want to say that because I because then that feels like I'm tooting my own horn. But <laughs> I think I think the people that are the most consistent. It is. It's all about consistency. It's it's just like with anything. Like it's it's like with tweeting. It's like with Instagram. It's like with TikTok. If you're not continuing to put out content, if you're not staying within the algorithm, then you're going to fall by the wayside, and there's going to be somebody else that's going to come in, step up, and take it over. One of the things I really want to ask you as we start to wind down, because I know we we gotta we gotta wrap this up soon. Yeah. It, it piggybacks off what you just said now, dude. I struggle sometimes with the volcano that social media could be. I love social media. Yeah. And I I like to preface that because I feel like everyone always shines the bad light on social media. Yeah. It could get chaotic. It could get toxic. Yeah. If it wasn't for social media, us two wouldn't be talking. I wouldn't be coming out to Vegas to do content. Yep. However, it's overwhelming. And sometimes I do want to be like, you know what, man? I'm going to just fall back. I don't want to, you know, let me just deactivate my account for a week. Yeah. But I can't because my business and my livelihood now is social media. How do you navigate through that? dynamic it's kind of like it's kind of part compartmentalizing right and I, I I'll speak to this you know my mom passed away about a month ago and um dealing with that like trying to deal with navigating through her passing and, and dealing with the cancer and all of that and still knowing that I had to put out content and I didn't have to put out content it was a matter of me like feeling like I wanted to put out content and that was more cathartic for me to do that and it was then at that point was where I was like, you know what, I'm going to curate my timeline and my, you know, my fees to things that please me and things that displease me. I'm going to get it out. And so I got a little more heavy with the block button. I got a little more heavy with the mute button and really just started to look at, you know, if this doesn't please me, I don't want it. I want anything to do with it. I got enough stuff that I have to deal with. I have enough stress on my plate. This is how I'm going to look at it. And so it's really compartmentalizing of, OK, this is this is real life. This is social media, and I think that one of the things I, I'll look at is Dave Chappelle saying, I don't care what you say on Twitter because that's not real life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Did you feel like that might have been an escape for you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, look, everybody has an escape, whether it's, you know, working out, whether it's, you know, jujitsu, whether it's, you know, social media, uh, drinking. I mean, there's so many different other kinds of escapes, but I found myself going down like a rabbit hole of just like kind of zoning out and being able to just like look at TikTok for two hours and, and not worry about anything. Uh, it's definitely an escape because it's an endorphin rush. It gives mm-hmm. you that dopamine hit that you want. And so um, I think that a lot of people need to utilize it as that say, hey, you know what, instead of doing something that's not constructive, you can look at you know social media as a way that you can actually have some constructive, um, constructive help. Yeah, shouts to the mute button though. Dude, <laughs> it's a savior. It is. It is. And, yo, I, I agree with you because I feel like everything that you see on your social media feed is because you want to see it. Right. Because you're following it. It's my social media. Yeah. So if there are things on there that upset you or it just gives you bad energy and, like, it just ruins your day. Yeah. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. If you don't, if you don't like somebody, you're not going to have them in your life, right? Right. So why have them so why pop let up them, on your feed? Yeah. Why let them be in your feed? You can control what you can control. That's what I always say is control what you can control. And social media is one of those things that you can control. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. Last thing I want to ask you, what are, what are your plans for 2022? 2022 is bigger, bolder, and badder. Um, 
taking the content up a level. I'm going to be doing uh, some more stuff with the pod, more video stuff, um, a lot more interviews, taking, you know, getting more, uh, more episodes out. Um, I'm going to write, go back, get, get back into writing more, um, taking some more time with that. And then just also at the same time, like really looking at honing in on my career and, and navigating out of where I'm at into more of the content creation, more um, of the sports industry and, and working with that. What about you, man? I know you got a lot going on. So what, what do you got going on? Man, I, uh, my next goal is I want to start streaming, but like yeah. sort of watching sporting events live. Okay. But you're watching like me and the homies. Watching with you. Drinking beers. Yeah. Chopping it up. Yeah. Like that kind of vibe I think is next. I think, I think outlets like Twitch, mm-hmm. Mixer. No, I don't think Mixer's around anymore, but like Facebook gaming. Yeah. I think those are underutilized in, in podcasting because people yeah. just associate those things with gaming. So I think that's the next one. And man, when I first started, bro, my main goal was to just be able to create content full time. I didn't want to flip eggs anymore. Like yeah. I was always like, what's your number one goal? Like, yo, I don't want to wake up at three in the morning anymore. I wake up at six now, <laughs> seven o'clock, but it's, it's better. It's definitely better. Yeah. yeah wake up and like the sun's up not always exactly go to sleep dark wake up dark <laughs> but dude i appreciate you coming in man you're yeah, someone man. that uh I, I admire your work um super family man i love it <laughs> the kids always me mugging on the tiktok always and uh you always show me a mad love so when i came out here and i, and I had this spot i was like you know what? let me hit up kenny no, i appreciate this that, happen. Man. appreciate you you know you know you're somebody i've interacted with a lot i got mad respect for you i love what you do um obviously been on your pod before and, uh, you know, I love creating content with you because you're somebody I can just rap with. And I like that. I don't like when you get on something that feels stale and it feels weird. And you're just like, I don't know what to talk about. Shit flows. And so I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why sometimes I'll just have a person on my pod once. And then if you don't see him again, you kind of right. you kind of know where you're at. Yeah. Dude, where can they find you on social media? Check me out on Twitter at Kenny King underscore junior. You can check me on uh, Instagram at the underscore Kenny King junior. And TikTok is at Kenny King underscore junior. And then you can catch me on social media. Uh, Kenny King Jr. And uh, probably the best way to find it. And then my podcast, of course, if you're not following the podcast, if you're not listening to the podcast, even if you're not a Raider fan, you're going to enjoy it. Real talk with Kenny King Jr. I talk about a lot. Yeah, I was going to wear the shirt, but I wore it to jujitsu the other day. Oh, so you got it all stinky before yeah, you Yeah, man, I had to. See, I, I was going to wear the Veterans Minimum shirt, but I still haven't gotten Yo, it I, yet, I got. So. I actually, I got it. I got it in my bag right there. Perfect. So I got you Let's after. Go. At Nick Day is 10 as we can find me. At Veterans Minimum as we can find the rest of the show. We'll catch you guys next time. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.